Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, that was a weekend with a lot of winning. Obviously, the youths getting the Ducks was the biggest win of the weekend. But BYU wins. Weaver State football finished with a winning record because they got a win over Northern Colorado. College basketball, of course, the Cougars won. They had a win scheduled. But the Utes, the Aggies, and the Wildcats all win their tournaments they're in. The Aggies beating Oklahoma. That's a good W right there. There were just one, there was just one win after another. The Jazz won in Sacramento uh, Saturday night. Let's start right there. This is the game that will be remembered because the fan got sick and threw up all over the floor and caused about a 15-minute delay. So that's what will be most memorable, and Rudy and Donovan both get asked about it. Uh, from the basketball perspective, the Jazz were up by four going to fourth quarter. Open the fourth quarter on a huge run, pushed that lead up over 15 in the first few minutes of the fourth quarter and pretty much ended the game. Here's Donovan Mitchell after the game. What did you see out there? And I mean... When the guy barked. Oh, I didn't see it happen. I just saw, you know, the the after effects, and I just walked to the opposite side of the floor. I didn't want them to to be around me. That was that was something. <laughs> um, you know, I hope the guys hope the guy will be alright. Look up tomorrow morning, going viral and all that. So, uh, but that was. I don't know. It was, just, it was just crazy. It was just weird. It was just, and then we it took forever to clean up too, which I didn't expect it to take that long. So um, I guess you got to do it right. So, but that was uh, something that was, it was weird. What were you guys doing while you were the I was enjoying the Sacramento crowd, just talking and chatting and just having a good time. Those are moments where it's like you're playing a game, you're locked in, but at the end of the day, you. Like for me, it's just like, man, one of those moments where it's like people coming to watch you play. It's like, you know, be able to interact and give that interaction. You know, I think it's pretty dope. Um, you know, it was fun. We had a lot of jokes and laughs and um, really much else to do during that time. So uh, being able just to just take photos and just have fun. But also, when it was time, stay locked in. Was there anyone on the team that was particularly grossed out you thought or got the same I can't even lie. I was really just focused on getting out the way. I didn't pay attention to nobody else. <laughs> I can't even lie to you. I was just like, look, I'm no parts. I want no parts of that, nowhere near it. Even when I subbed in, I walked on the floor, which could have been called a technical foul, but I'm not walking over there. So uh, I didn't look at anybody else. <laughs> I was just like, look, I don't, I don't want to be around that. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. You guys kind of stayed with them for a little bit, and I was like a panel run. I'm curious. Did you think you were playing at your best kind of early in the game when it was kind of close? Um, I think, you know, we did a little, we did a lot of things okay that we could have just raised our level. And I think we did that in the second, you know, the second half. I think, uh, I mean, they just lost by 30 last night, you know, so they, their energy, their, their urgency, a lot of it is, is different, you know, and understanding that, you know, teams got to come out and compete. They got competitors on their team. They're not, they don't have guys that the record doesn't reflect the guys they have on their team and they're going to come out. And I think they had a level that we were trying to match and stay with. But then at the end of the day, we picked our level up and started forcing misses running on turnovers. And that was really it. Once we started running and transitioning, it would get out um, and do what we do. Uh, it, was, it was smooth sailing, then being able to execute down the stretch as well. I know this is, has nothing to do with you guys, but like, there's been a lot of chatter about whether Luke Bolton's going to be able to keep his job. That's been going around. Yeah. And you've got the fans that are chanting fire Luke Bolton at the end of the game. Like, right. Can you imagine what kind of effect that would have on a team? Yeah, um, I mean, no, I can't imagine. Um, 
fortunately, I've never been in that position here. But, you know, Luke's a great guy. I know Luke. Um, I know the guys on that team. They're competitors, like I said. You know, despite what you you, you see the end result, maybe it's last night against Toronto or tonight, or the guys want to compete. You know, and at the end of the day, that, that I, I respect that. You know, and that's all you can do, you know, at the end of the day. But, you know, as far as that happening, I, I don't – it's not my – spot to really you know comment on it it's it's parts it's basketball it's sports when i was 15 i was probably saying the same you know what i mean but at the end of the day like i said looks a great guy you know um the team is full of competitors you know i bought a bunch and the guys want to compete want to win it's like they're just handing it in they give us a fight you know they're giving us a fight every single time we've played um so you know i can't really imagine what that what that is and you know hopefully we don't have to think about that there's Donovan Mitchell. Now here's Rudy Gobert. Have you ever seen anything like that? What? Ah, the okay. yeah, the bar. Uh no, first time. You know, life is full of surprise. You know, it's, I mean, I'm glad he's okay. I hope he's okay because I don't know if he was drunk or was drunk. Because I kind of made eye contact with him too, and uh, he was smiling. So he was smiling and throwing up at the same time. So, <laughs> but I'm glad it's okay. No, I didn't hear anything. Okay. I think I think when Rigue hit a shot, that's when he he started throwing up. <laughs> that's what started the whole thing. <laughs> Was, um, when that when that happened, like, wh- what do you remember happening on the court? Like, did you see the first? Because he had thrown up like three times. Did you see the first one? And, like, who was reacting? I think I think he threw up in his mask first, and then put it back on. That's what I heard. But uh, when I looked, he was throwing up on the floor. What were your guys' reactions? Just like, yeah. On the- I mean, just kind of stepped away, and you know, just got to wait until it's cleaned up and. I mean, I just hope he's, he's okay. You know, that's the, the hot dog he was eating before. They, in, in the first two matchups, they didn't allow you to get a lot of shots, right? Like, it was, I think, four shots in one game, seven shots in the other. Night, you scored 21. Um, is that them playing pick and roll defense differently, or kind of what was the thing? I think, I think we... I think we playing differently as a team. You know, I feel like we, we really uh, moved the ball in a better way, and... Uh, you know, and and when we move the ball in a better way, I get obviously I get the ball more, I get more opportunities, but I also get more opportunities to to get offensive rebounds because when we create an advantage and and we get a good shot, like it's it's harder for them to to box me out. And you know, it's been fun. It's been fun to be to be playing that way, and uh, that's the team we want to be. You know, we want to be able to. Uh, when we move the ball like that, we can set our defense, and uh, it also helps our defense. So it's. It's hard to guard and it's fun to play to play that way. They they had fifty points in the paint through three quarters and then you guys kind of shut it down a little bit. I guess what was did you like the defense you played through three quarters and then what was it? I think I think we I think we can get better. You know, I think we uh, we can raise our level, and it's exciting, you know, to know that I think we can uh, our physicality can be better, uh, communication can be better, and uh, and we can uh, uh, run back a little better. You know, we we gave them a little too many transition opportunities, and uh, you know, against uh, they, they they thrive on that. You know, they're a young team; they like to run. So if we if we were to do a better job, um, you know, we would be better. 
Mike was really aggressive in the first quarter and kind of also gave a little spark at the top of the fourth. Even when he's not scoring, though, when you're out there with him, what is it that he does? It seems like he comes everything. I mean, Mike is making the right play, you know. So he's gonna he's gonna read what the defense gives him and and take advantage of that. And you know, I try to get him open on the screen. And if he's open, he's gonna take the shot and make the shot. And if he's not, he's gonna pass to the open man. And he's the key to the way we want to play offensively, you know. And when he, uh, when he plays, we want him to be aggressive, look for his shot first, and, and then you know read the defense. And uh, it's been amazing doing that for us. There's Rudy Gobert after the Jazz beat the Sacramento Kings. They got the Grizzlies at home tonight. This week sets up pretty well for the Jazz. They won three in a row. They'll try to make it four in a row tonight. We'll see if they can push the string out to seven by the end of the week. When we come back, we'll hear from Blake Anderson, Kalani Sataki after the BYU and Utah State games. The Utes are still ahead, too. Stay with us. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Really disappointing night for Utah State football. Really the only team that uh, had that bad a weekend. But that was bad. Wyoming blew them out. Now, Utah State has got to beat New Mexico and hope San Diego State beats Boise State because that combination of games would send the Aggies to the Mountain West title game. Here's Blake Anderson after the loss to Wyoming. Uh, We'll just start with your thoughts on this one. Obviously a tough one to take. Yeah, tough one. Hate it for um, hate it for our seniors. Hate it for our team. You know, I, I told you know told them all week, and and I feel like they completely understood. You know, this is the kind of game that Wyoming wanted to make it. They wanted to make it physical and ugly, and um, that if we um, if we didn't really match that and stay very very disciplined in in really all areas, both offensively and defensively, and in and, and special teams, um, that uh, that this one could get away from you real quick. I, I I didn't trust their record. I felt like they were much better than the record. If you watched all the way through the season, they put up big numbers early in the year and just had some issues in the middle, but had really started to respond here as of late. And I thought we were catching them at their very best, and that's what it proved to be today. They were more physical. They executed better in all three phases. Uh, we knew it was one of the best defenses we were going to see all year, and, and they played um, extremely well. Pressure, coverage tackle well just made it very difficult so um i hate that we um that we made so many mistakes on our own that just never let us get momentum going but um as i heard nick saying man you gotta we gotta learn from it we gotta move on because uh there's still uh there's still a lot to play for and number nine waiting if we'll take care of business and we just all got to become really big san diego state fans we were talking about that up here, Coach, that uh, not not often that we want to cheer for San Diego State, but we're in that position now. <laughs> this is awkward. <laughs> but, but that's what it becomes. We've got to yeah. take care of – obviously got to take care of your business at, in Albuquerque oh, next yeah. week. So, uh, yeah. I mean, is this a, a message to the team that says, hey, just flush this one, let's get back to being the hunter instead of the hunted, and let's go let's go make some hay in Albuquerque? Yeah, I mean, I just told them, man, you, you think you feel bad right now, you know, go to Albuquerque and play crappy and lose, and, and then San Diego State does beat Boise, and you'll feel what much worse. We just gotta we gotta learn some lessons. We did not play well. I mean, uh, fumble and uh, you know bad kick placement and bad coverage for a return, and um, you know added gaps and giving up huge explosive runs, and I mean you name it. Just just really didn't give ourselves much of a chance to call back in it. I liked. I honestly thought we were fortunate to be where we were at halftime. And, and felt very comfortable that, based off our history, that 
that we could claw our way back into it, but it was just mistake after mistake after mistake, and and uh, they just didn't make him. They, they played what, 12 and 15, throwing the ball. And I don't know what they ran for, but it was a bunch, and just did everything they needed to do to, to win the game. And so for me and our team, I just got through telling them, we're going to get some rest, we're going to heal up, we're going to learn from it, and then, guys, we gotta we got to move on and go take care of number nine. I mean, there's only a handful of teams that can win nine games a year. we still got the ability to win ten for the year. we got a chance to be in the championship game. It's not over. It's just we need help at this point. And um, we can't lose sight of where we're at or what we've accomplished. We just It wasn't our day-to-day, and it was. you got to give them credit. It was our day-to-day, and they played a great game. You know, Coach, I, I thought, though, as you mentioned, you got it to 24-17, and then – you went down the field in the opening possession of the third quarter, the high snap, they take it two plays later into the end zone. I felt like that was really the, the, the backbreaker for you. Did you feel sort of that same way? Uh, it was huge. I mean, honestly, but we shouldn't have to settle for a field goal. We, we, we made a couple uh, really poor plays on that particular drive. If you think back to, you know, we had a drive going that, honestly, I think, if I'm not mistaken, an opportunity earlier to maybe go ahead. Uh, and we fumbled the ball down in plus territory. You know, the, the, the kick return. There's just so many big momentum plays that all went their direction. We really didn't get very many, didn't make very many, didn't create very many, and they did. Uh, but I, I do agree. That was a critical time. We needed to at least get three points, make it a seven-point game. And instead, you know, there's just a couple plays later. Now you're stretched back out, and, and you feel like uh, all the momentum's back in their favor. Well, now, Coach, you got to move ahead. you got to look forward to New Mexico. you got to flush this one. And this is a team that's no stranger to adversity. You've faced adversity all season, win or lose, and now you're facing a different kind of adversity that these guys aren't used to. But, again, you've always seen these guys bounce back and get through it. What do you expect to see from these guys as they prepare for this game and this moment, this big moment coming up on Friday? Just more of the same. Go back to work, improve. Guys will take ownership. It's not, a, it's not a group of guys that points fingers. Even on the sideline late, and they were, they were still being encouraged, hey, let's empty the tank, finish the game. Even though it's way out of reach, um, it, it was still super positive. Down in the dumps, disappointed, yes, but, um, but still you know, taking the approach, taking the ownership of the mistakes that we made and, um, and ready to move forward. And I, I fully expect that's what we'll do. It'll be a tough trip down there. I mean, I know Danny Gonzalez and Rocky Longwell. I coach for Rocky. I coach with Danny. I mean, they're going to give us everything we want. We're going to have to go play well this week. But I, I truly believe in this group that uh, they want to get to number nine. They want to take care of our business and hope and pray that we're fortunate enough to get some help and, and from San Diego State and be ready to uh, to still play for a championship. And that's still there's a lot of teams that just don't have that opportunity, and we're still in the mix. So we need to be thankful and grateful for that and go take care of our business. And, Coach, perhaps uh, one final comment on these 16 seniors that, uh, that you're sending out, uh, obviously leaving it all out on the field and on the, emptying the tank, as you said, and uh, they've made a huge culture shift difference for this program. Yeah, considering, you know, just how last season went and, and the, the transition and, and how the transition went for them, um, you, you can't say enough about just their leadership, their willingness to buy in and, and, and try you know, on a daily basis to give us everything we ask. The, the handful of guys that came in that are in this class, I think three or four guys that came in, the rest of them are already here. Uh, they, they have done an amazing job. Uh, I don't know if, if you guys would 
if you guys would be honest and say how many te- how many games you thought we'd win at the beginning of the season, I doubt any of you would have said eight with the pop- opportunity to, to win nine or ten. So they've already exceeded every expectation, but they're not satisfied either. And, and I do believe they'll respond, and, and I do believe we are capable of going on and finishing this thing off the right way. But that's because of them. That's because their attitudes and their work and their willingness to be uh, accountable and, and truly care enough about each other. You just talk to one that's maybe one of the best examples I've ever seen in Nick Henniger. Uh, that that kid, I say kid, he's a grown man, but, man, his energy, his work ethic, his sacrifice and discipline, his willingness just to keep fighting and be positive, I mean, it's on another level. And that's one of the reasons that we've had the success we have, and we're still going to have more. All right, there's Blake Anderson now. Here's Kalani Sataki after BYU takes over midway through the second quarter and gets the win over Georgia Southern. Here's Kalani. Really happy for the win. Uh, obviously, uh, Georgia Southern showed up, and they're ready to play, and, and I thought we got their best shot. Um, the first half, I don't think we played our style of football. I think we gotta, had to kind of regain our composure. And, um, there's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, like, there's, we're getting hit by burritos on the sideline. Uh, you know, it was, it was pretty hostile, and, and uh, I'm just really proud of it. The guys uh, bounced back and made some adjustments, and I think, you know, we talked about it in halftime, just playing our style of football, and um, and I thought we did that in the second half. I, I thought we did some really good things in the first half, too, but uh, it was pretty chippy out there. Just wanted to get our guys focused, and... Um, I know that Georgia Southern has gone through some adversity. They, they had a coaching change midseason, you know, and they, they've had uh, those guys, their seniors, I feel for them that they wanted to play, and this is probably not how they wanted their senior season to go. So uh, I hope that um, they, they do well in the future, and, and for us it's just happy that we got the win and happy that our guys played better. in this. I think the offense played pretty good for the entire game, but defense definitely played a lot more fundamentally sound. And uh, we played with a little bit more poise, most of us, in the second half. Still things we need to work on, but uh, I think there's some great learning moments for us uh, and to get better for next week against USC. Cool. I know you don't believe in style points and all that, yep. but were you tempted at all to go at the end there? for No, I, I think we had to take a timeout because I think we like ending the game, um, milking the clock, and I think it was seven minutes we were able to run out. and we, we, That's our style. We like doing that, you know. And uh, I think um, style points for us is trying to get – uh, some younger guys on the field and, and, and trying to get them some opportunities. But uh, this game, we we already had our younger guys on the field. You know, with Max getting the um, the uh, targeting penalty uh, that put Morgan Piper on the field, Jackson Kafusi playing a lot more. And so uh, it, it was uh, guys stepping up. Jacob Robinson did some good things. And, you know, it was good to get Ammon Hanneman back on the field on defense. And, and same thing with George Udo. But I thought Matt Criddle did some good things, too. So, I, overall, we're, we're, we're definitely dealing with some depth um, that, that helped us win this game. And uh, we're going to have to get a little bit healthier by the time we get to the USC game. But if not, then we have to be ready to go. But in, in regards to the style points, I, I'm not. Listen, we're going to play with sportsmanship. And we're going to try to do the right thing. Kneeling the ball at the end, that's the right thing to do. What do you say about Puka Nakua? It looked like he left the game in the first half and, and with some sort of yeah. injury and then came back and had a phenomenal second. He, he's still hurting right now, and so I, I think uh, um, that's a good sign. Don't worry. <laughs> Dang it. No, but I, I think he, 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 you know, he was banged up. He's, he's not feeling great right now, but it's okay. Um, like I said, there's a lot of guys that are banged up. I, I'm just grateful that he was able to get back in there and make some plays for us. And, um, you know, I, I think... Uh, a lot of guys stepped up. Keanu Hill stepped up. I mean, with with Neil being out, 
uh, Gunner stepped up, and so it's good to have Gunner back on the field. Braden Kime had his first start and did a great job for us, and so a lot of guys made some really big-time plays, and, and we're missing a lot of guys on, on the field, but uh, we've, we've done some really um, really cool, I've seen some really cool things from the depth and younger guys taking advantage of their reps. Uh, you mentioned Braden Kime. How do you evaluate your offensive lines, and I kind of had to reshuffle things. How do, you, how do you feel like they played as a unit all night? You have to watch the film a little bit more. I mean, these these guys are pretty good at stopping the run, you know. Um, obviously, they, they run the ball really well, too, so their defense is kind of trained up on that. They see that every, uh, every day in practice, and so uh, I thought I don't know what we ran for, but close to 200 yards, I think that's a good sign for us. If we can do that every week, that's a good sign that the O-line's doing their job. I, I have to evaluate a little bit more, but from what I saw, I thought Kime did some really good things. What adjustments did you make to shut him out in the second half? Uh, focus on the fundamentals, and, and Tuyaki talked about changing some uh, some scheme things up a little bit. Uh, you know, we've never seen that quarterback before. There's not a lot of film on him, and we just learned about him on the field um, right before the game. So not much to go off of and, and um, I think he he threw the ball a little bit better than we expected but um, I thought the guys clamped it down a little bit we were playing a little bit more assignment sound they, they, I thought they did some really good things offensively to take advantage of some things get the ball out in space make our corners have to tackle and I thought the corners bowed up a little bit D-line got a little bit more physical and, and, and established a presence on the line of scrimmage and um, you know I, I thought overall I, shutting them out in the second half that's a good sign for us and uh, just Let's make the second half adjustments in the before the game and then play 30, 30 minutes and then make some more adjustments and then play 30 more. I think that's the goal. Try to get it so we just tell our, our team and our staff that this is the second half and then make the adjustments before we get to the game. What are your thoughts on the uh, two picks by Jacob? They were pretty successful. Yeah, stud. Um, we put him in a position to have a little bit more depth and, and uh, play with his eyes on the quarterback and to make those plays, those those. Uh, <coughs> The deep throws, and I, I thought he played the ball really well. His great ball skills, and I thought he tackled well tonight too. So, um, young, a lot of young guys making plays, and that makes me really happy. Any players who weren't able to go this week, do you expect to have back next week? Um, obviously Peyton's out, but um, yeah, uh, hopefully we get Campbell um, back, and hopefully we get um, you know. Harris and so we're missing a couple of starters that, that are out there that, that could be out there helping us out um, I, I don't know how to look at it but uh, Max will be back because you know he just missed this game from that targeting that's a good that's a good thing for us but um, oh, overall I, I think we just have to go with who we got and it's worked out so far so hopefully we can get this next one uh, love seeing all the fans here that was so much fun and uh, looking forward to seeing our fans on the other side of the, of the country too what are your thoughts of going into USC and playing the Trojans in the Coliseum? They're a very talented team. Um, you know, I, I think that'll be their senior uh, night as well. So we're, we're facing a lot of teams that, that towards the end of the year, whether it's their senior night. So they're going to play with a lot of emotion, and they have tons of athletic ability and speed. And so uh, we have to be on top of it. And, and I'm looking forward to our guys uh, relishing the moment and, and, and playing a lot better and getting better from what we learned from this week. Did you actually get hit with a burrito? Yeah, I was going to No, I, the, the burritos are getting, I mean, I wish. I would. I was kind of hungry. I would have eaten it, you know. But uh, I don't know why you'd waste burritos. I think that's a that's a, a good thing to, to keep in the stands. But uh, a lot of our guys are getting hit by different types of foods. And so uh, maybe there's, that's just their giving way here at Georgia Southern. <laughs> All right, there's Kalani Sataki. We'll hear from the Utes when we return. Stay with us. 
Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, what a great win for the University of Utah. They don't just beat third-ranked Oregon. They blow them out in the first half. I think the game was over before the punt return. I think at 21 nothing, we knew what, how it was going to finish. I think everyone could have agreed on it. But it wasn't much longer after that before it was 28 nothing, and we all knew for sure. Here are the Utes after the game. Cam Rising went to the podium. Devin Lloyd went to the podium. And, of course, Britton Lloyd, uh, Britton Lloyd, Britton Covey did as well after his phenomenal punt return. Here are the Utes. What was it like to be a part of that, that team that, that made Kyle Whittingham the winningest coach in Utah football history? Really just humbled, um, you know, to be able to be on this team and, you know, accomplish, you know, such a great accomplishment. And, um, you know, Coach Wood, I think, you know, he's the best coach in Utah football history. and He deserves everything, you know, um, you know that comes his way. And, I mean, I really just can't say enough about these guys. Like, you know, Covey's sitting next to me, but, you know, everybody on the team, like, everybody just believes in one another and loves one another. And, I mean, I just can't say enough about, you know, everybody in this win today. Yeah, same. It's uh, <clears throat> really cool to be a part of it because there are so many players that have come and gone and contributed to that. But, you know, you interview Coach Witt about that, and the first thing that he'll do is he'll reflect all of the credit, you know. He'll talk about his staff and the players that have gone through, but what he has done is unbelievable. And I don't think people realize how much a part of the program we owe, to, or the identity of the program we owe to him. Um, so, yeah. As they say, Coach Cunningham's pretty good. Brady, <laughs> <laughs> what were you seeing on the uh, on uh, the farm return? Well, I've I've told Coach Witt before that you know if if a team's trying to run out the clock at the end of a half and we have some timeouts, call them so that we can get a shot. You know, whatever it is. And so uh, we had 11 seconds left, and a couple guys on the sideline came up to me and they basically they said, "You're not down," and so I. You know, I went back there, looked at the north end zone, and I just went like this. I was like, mm, what are we going to do? So uh, it, what's really cool is you go look at that film, and Devin will attest to this. It looks exactly like practice. I've got about six guys finishing through the goal line with me at full speed. Uh, I wouldn't have had that if it weren't for uh, Makai Bernard's block, Solomon Enos block, Kamoya Latu had two blocks, Connor O'Toole turns around and goes for the punter instead of tr- coming backwards so it, it's just like practice it's not me it's it's that unit um it that unit is special and it's because we believe in what we can do so how, how much of that 2019 game kind of led into just kind of letting all that emotion out against them today it was definitely on our minds, um, but, you know, this is a completely different team than the 2019 team. So, um, you know, obviously it still hurts, um, you know, and we still have that nasty, we still have that nasty taste in our mouths. But, um, you know, we're completely confident in this game and going into this game, and um, we understand that, you know, it, it was in the past. So. Devin, to hold this team to 63 yards rushing kind of really just took them out of their entire game plan. Was that kind of the... The plan going is to stop the run. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we're both teams who pride ourselves on running the ball, being physical at the line of scrimmage, and so um, it was a battle in the trenches. We emphasized that all week, and um, you know, we we kind of preached whoever wins the trenches is most likely going to win the game. Brent, it seemed like for the offense, especially, it seemed like you guys didn't feel like you were ever going to back down, right? I mean, what what was kind of the mentality going into that that just allowed you to kind of keep doing that? Well, that's been our mentality for I think about six weeks now, where um, it's Coach Ludwig's philosophy, right? It's, it's pretty old school, but if you've got a team that buys into it, it works. It's we run the ball, even if you know we're going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball uh, until, you, until you come in to stop us, then we're going to be a great play-action pass team. And so I think it's just getting the guys to buy into what we're doing. And, 
you know, the last six weeks we've really bought into it, and just cool to see it come to fruition. You know? uh, what, what did you think of Andy's play calling? It seemed like he was pushing all the right buttons, and he had Oregon mm-hmm. on its heels all night. I thought it was great. I thought that he did a great job with the situational work, uh, especially third downs. Our third down conversion rate uh, the second half of the season compared to the first half is, uh, I think, one of the keys to success that we've had. And I think that's attributed to Coach Ludwig's uh, good play calling on third down. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad that, you know, I know we ran the ball a lot more in the second half, but I'm glad that we didn't back down and we didn't just try and run the clock out, play conservative, uh, we still were pushing forward and trying to win the game. What's it like to be able to see somebody like Tavion do what he's done in really such a short amount of time, knowing that he wasn't playing early on much? Well, I, I talked to Tavion after the, third, after the second game because he was pretty down, and I basically said, uh, remember how you feel right now because you're going to be on top once again, and you're going to be on bottom once again. And it's just understanding and trusting who you are. Because we knew from fall camp, when we saw it, we, we would go home and I'd tell my parents that Tavion's going to be special. And so uh, I think all of us helped, helped him know that we still trusted him after those first couple games, or those first three games, right, with some fumbles and things, because we saw who he was day in and day out. So it's really cool to see. He's, he's like a huge little kid, too. <laughs> just say he's like, yeah, he's yeah. This team again in a couple of weeks. Yeah. What kind of statement do you think you made tonight? I think that we probably angered them. You know, I don't know what, anything else. I think that we're, you know, if we see them in a couple of weeks, we know that we're going to be seeing a different team uh, on a different, even, you know, playing field uh, without the crowd, but also just a team that wants vengeance. And so uh, we're going to be prepared when that time comes. Backing off what Dana said, um, you know, obviously. <laughs> Everybody's expecting you guys to see them in the next couple weeks. So how important did it, was it to you guys? You guys really didn't have to open up a whole bag of tricks going into that game. Um, yeah, defensively, um, our biggest thing, yeah, was just owning the line of scrimmage. Um, we weren't going to try to switch up our scheme or do anything special. We are just going to play our ball, you know, play Utah football to the best of our abilities. And, um, you know, I'd say we accomplished that. And, you know, whenever we do see them, we got to do the same thing. Yeah. What's it and, like yeah, I mean, he's a guy that just keeps getting better every day, and it starts at practice. Um, his passion for the game is unmatched. You know, he loves the game. And he loves being out there with everybody, and it's just, you know, a pleasure to see him continue to progress and keep balling and doing his thing, you know. Um, I mean, I'm just really glad to see him just, you know, see all his hard work come to fruition. And, and uh, to really fast answer back to your question, we go into that second game, and it's going to be the ex- you know it's nice that we didn't have to show a lot of tricks and stuff, but it's going to be the exact same kind of we're going to run the ball <laughs> until you until you stop us. Then we're going to be a great play action pass team. So that's what's cool about the identity is it doesn't change week in week out. So, Britton, uh, looking at Britton, looking at the special teams play tonight. You guys have had some struggles on special teams mm-hmm. in earlier games. Uh, do you feel like he kind of turned a corner as, as a special teams unit with, with your return for a touchdown and blocking the one field goal and just kind of getting some stops in that phase of the game? Yeah, I think so. I think special teams is all about belief. 
the reason why I think we're the number one ranked punt return unit in the country, and it's because we believe and we've seen what we can do. Um, it's, it really is the unit. It's not the returner. It's the unit. Um, same thing back with Kalen Clay, right, 2014. It's that unit. Um, and I remember that was the first thing that I <clears throat> really understood when I got here with special teams was everyone talked about Kalen Clay the year before. But it was the unit that they would talk. They'd be like, people fear us. People are scared of us. And I thought that was really cool that special teams was literally like its own facet of the game. And so I think that it comes with some ownership. And we've done that. We've owned up to our mistakes. And we, you know, it's like another facet of the game. Offense, defense, special teams really is like another team. Yeah, just talk about the experience meeting Oregon tonight. Uh, Great team win. Uh, guys did an unreal job up front. They they blocked their their rear ends off. It was it was fun to be a part of. Like to be able to just see that offensive line. I mean, I, I know you've had some struggles over the years, but they've really dialed in. But what was it like to you know go against a, a physical Oregon team and just do that? Um, we talked about being physical all week, and we, we really wanted to set the tone up front, and and I think they did that out there, and that's why that's why we were so successful. Davion, you break a school record today with you know 17 rushing touchdowns in the season. <laughs> I mean, talk about that. Did you ever think that that would be a reality early on in the season? Uh, no, sir. Um, I, I just try to go in the game just uh, just to play, uh, just to play for my brothers. Um, and a big uh, special part of me, my mom was here today, so I feel like she played a big role um, in this tool for me uh, and the team. Uh, we just got to keep working, though. The job yeah. ain't done yet. What made the biggest difference? You're facing a defense that have really good, you know, rushing. They're good at stopping the rush, and you go off and make a lot happen. What made the difference tonight? I say, uh, offensive linemen, they was doing their job today. They made it. They made it uh, easy for me to see the holes and just read, and I was just trusting my uh, instincts and just going. Can Brand Brand got going tonight in a big way? Was that a, a, a product of? Oregon focusing on the run game, opening up space in the secondary. Yeah, we, we, we came out and started running the ball pretty hard, and, and I think they started to load up the box, so then we had to switch it up and start running the play action, and, and it worked to a T. And what does it say about this offense? They came in trying to stop the run. You only had to throw the ball 18 times, and you were still as effective as ever. It, it, it says a lot about those guys up front and how they block, especially in, if you look in the tight end room, they do an unreal job, and even the receivers, it speaks volumes to what they're doing that that were so effective running the ball, and that's that's why we're so good with it. How, how awesome was it to be a part of you know Kyle Whittingham being the all-time winningest coach? Um, that that's that's a pretty pretty surreal moment, especially for him. Just the amount of football games that he's played and, and won in is is unreal. He I have so much respect for him and everything he does. I love Coach Witt and I'm glad to be a part of that that 143 or 142. For you, Cam, um, starting against the number three team in the country or driving Coach Witt's truck. <laughs> you want me to be honest? <laughs> that truck, man. That truck is scary. I don't want to get no scratches on it. <laughs> Give it clean. Yeah, I got a little nervous. <laughs> but it was it was fun though. You like how that thing came out? Oh, that was awesome. They did a great job with it. Yeah. Maybe on this the largest crowd in Utah football history. What was it like playing front? Uh, it was beautiful. Uh, thank, thank, uh, I thank the fans for coming out there. I thank everybody uh, who's supporting us uh, came out there tonight. Uh, we really do appreciate y'all, and we ain't we ain't done yet. We got to keep going. You know. What did you guys think of the must rush to feel back in the game? That was fun. Yeah. A little a little hectic, but you know it was it was good. <laughs> I, I I loved it. Connected with Brant, you feel a lot tonight. What made that possible? 
just the play calls. You know, he, he's 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 in the right spot where where he's supposed to be, and even if he wasn't, he'll, he'll make a good catch and, and make and extend the play. So that's that's what me and him work on all the time, and that's why we're so successful tonight. Was there an emphasis in practice to make them make him uh, have a greater impact? Whittingham talked about that. Uh, yeah, there was definitely more more plays set for him, and, and that that ended up having having him get the ball in, in those situations more. So there are the Ute players. Now here's the head coach Kyle Whittingham. Okay, uh, extremely proud of our guys. Obviously, from start to finish, uh, excellent execution, physicality. Um, they just weren't going to be denied tonight, and uh, started with a great week of practice. Um, they had the right mindset, absolutely, and uh, it was great to see them go out and, and uh, perform the way they did. And uh, it was just a a, uh, a great game for us. Uh, really critical at the end of the first half. Those two touchdowns we scored late in the end of the first half really gave us a ton of momentum going into halftime, and and uh, really was a a uh, you know a. a a tough situation for them coming out and being down 28 zips. So that was probably the biggest key to the game is being able to get that uh, touchdown offensively late and then, of course, uh, Covey's uh, punt return. So that was really the biggest uh, portion of the game and, and, the, and the thing that really uh, gave us uh, a ton of momentum. So questions? Knowing what Covey can do on a punt return, are you surprised that they actually kicked to him in that spot? Uh, well, you know, the alternative kick out of bounds, I guess. But, but uh, yeah, Covey's he's a dangerous guy, and and uh, I know I'd think twice about kicking to him. But, but that was their uh, strategy. We had a block on too. It wasn't like we had a return set up. We had a, we had a full on block, and uh, he did most all that on his own. Uh, now we got some key blocks along the way. Don't get me wrong, but it was not set up as a return. It was set up as a, as a block. Kyle, you've, you've deflected a lot to the players and coaches that have been here, but what does it mean to you personally now that you've broken that record? Well, uh, I'll keep deflecting because that's that's what I'm good at. But uh, I just feel blessed, like I said uh, the last time we talked about it. And uh, to be able to... to uh, somebody's phone's buzzing. There we go. To uh, just... Uh, you know that's that's a lot of years, a lot of hard work, and a lot a lot goes into that. But um, like I said, as a, as a football coach, it's different than some other sports. Some other sports you can pretty much do it all as a, as the head coach, but in football you cannot. It's impossible. You got to surround yourself with great people, and uh, fortunately we've been able to do that through the last 17 years. Uh, Had some outstanding assistant coaches come through here. The staff we got now is terrific. And uh, and obviously it starts with great players and being able to to have uh, recruited and developed uh, so many of those guys that have come through here that that have contributed to this. So I don't want to. What's that? You've got a lot of great running backs through this program. Mm-hmm. What does it say about Tavion Thomas that he is now the single season touchdown leader? Well, I didn't know that, but that, it says that he, he's got a nose for the end zone. There's no doubt about that, and he's a big physical back, and uh, that's where he really becomes a weapon is, is down in the red zone, and and uh, he gets close to that goal line. He's very seldom going to be denied. They came in, obviously, trying to stop the run. You were able to run it 50 times for over 200 yards um, against a pretty physical front seven there. How, right. how fast were you by, by your offense? Yeah, that's a talented group they have over there, and uh, it's a good football team. Uh, but uh, we uh, did a nice job running the football. Offensive line performed outstanding. Um, 
no turnovers again for I don't know how many weeks in a row that is, but that's that's been a, a huge part of our success the last six seven weeks is is uh, taking care of the football and uh, defense. Don't you know we can't ignore what the defense did. Defense did a phenomenal job. I think they only got sixty or seventy yards rushing. How many did they get rushing? 63 yards, I see here. So they were coming in here with 231 or thereabouts per week. And uh, that was the primary objective of this game is to is to uh, stop the run. And we felt if we did that, we had a good chance to, to have a good outcome. And, and uh, we were able to do that. Uh, was this the, the, the best complete game you guys have played this season? I would say probably so. Yeah, probably. You know, the Stanford game was pretty complete. But uh, this is... Uh, you know, right up there with that. So yeah, we we uh, all three phases. Uh, you notice we got two punts off without getting them blocked. That was nice. So I was really proud of that. But uh, yeah, I'd say that uh, you know between those two games, those are probably the two most complete games we played. Good chance you're going to see these guys again in a couple weeks. Chris yeah. Says he expects an angry team if that happens. Oh yeah, I'm sure they will be, and and uh, it'll should be a, a battle if that happens. You know, I guess I don't know exactly what has to happen, but but uh, I know Oregon State's in the conversation at least right now. So so we'll see what happens. Boy, we're not concerned with that. We're going to get ready for Colorado and uh, try to send our seniors out the right way. Um, you know, they've had a great career here at Rice Eccles Stadium, and, and that's the objective for this next week. Uh, I went back to the special teams. Uh, you'd had some struggles collectively in, in that phase right. in previous games. Tonight, not only did you not make mistakes, but you had a blocked field goal <clears throat> and Covey's punt return. Right. Do you feel like you've turned a corner in that phase as a team? I don't know if we feel like we turned a corner, but we certainly had some good, good uh, things happen in this game, and and uh, you know we've had some big setbacks throughout the course of the season. We had the kickoff coverage uh, issues early in the year, and then the ongoing pump protection. But but yeah, I think that uh, we had a, a complete game with our special teams, um, and uh, you know I don't know if we've ever arrived or, or where you want to be because we got to continue to work hard. But but it was great to see them perform like they did tonight, Coach. They have one of the best defensive players in the country. On the other side, maybe a top overall draft pick. Yep. And by his standards, it was a pretty quiet night. Was, was that something you guys schemed up, or was that just you guys executing? Uh, I think both. You know, we had uh, some scheme to, to nudge him and chip him. You know, with with uh, tight ends and, and running backs. But our tackles did an outstanding job. And and Bam Olasunny's really coming into his own. He is really uh, becoming a dominant force at that left tackle position. And uh, and Braden Daniels, you know, he played guard uh, first two and a half years he's here, and now all of a sudden he's playing out at tackle and playing at a very high level. So very proud of the tackles, how they perform. But but uh, yeah, we had a, I thought Andy and Coach Harding did a great job of of uh, having a plan in place to, to try to neutralize him, you know, as best we could. What did you think of the way that Cam played? He didn't ask him to do a ton. He didn't have to do a ton. Just what did you think? Oh, he he did a great job running the offense. His numbers weren't, uh, you know. Uh, Gaudy, but uh, he did a great job of finding the open receivers. Uh, I don't know what his what was he ten of eighteen or something around there. So, so uh, you know around sixty percent, and uh, did what he needed to do. I mean, he did exactly what we needed him to do, and and he's so poised and such a a great. Uh, he's a field. He's got that field general mentality that you love in a quarterback. You did really well on third downs. Made probably your best of the season. I mean, what? How did that all transpire? And what, and what do you think? Led? That. Well, execution, number one, uh, being in manageable third downs, number two, which we seem to be in a lot of manageables and, and not, uh, you know, extreme yardage. And then uh, that, you know, the combination of those two things really is what uh, 
what makes you successful on third down. We're also successful in the red zone again, which is a, another trend that has been trending in the right direction. How many guys on this team would you let borrow that truck that Cam drove with you? <laughs> one. Cam. Yeah, one. Yeah. Pretty cool commercial, huh? Or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. Truck cost me a fortune to restore. Yeah. Worth every penny, though. Yeah. Worth I know you're a big fashion guy, but the uniforms tonight, really special, great story behind them, and obviously that becomes part of the storyline of college football and right. teams recruiting, things like that. Um, a win like this in those uniforms with one of the three surviving sailors of the USS Salt Lake City in attendance tonight feels pretty special. To awesome. Me. It was awesome, and, and uh, players loved them. They were, they were excited to wear them, and... Uh, you know, what can you say? Under Armour did a great job designing those, and the helmets were outstanding. And and uh, that definitely, you know, to a college-age young man, you get a uniform that they really are excited about that gives you a little lift. And I think that was part of the uh, part of the juice that we had out there tonight. Coach, based off of how far you've come, the things you've endured, how the season started, what does it mean now to be at the top of the South and be playing in a Pac-12 Oh, it's great, and, and uh, so proud of our guys. And and uh, you know, we were sitting there at one and two after the first three conference games or non-conference games, and and uh, you know, kind of wondering who we were. And and although we had just figured out that uh, Cam provided a spark, because even though we lost that third game, he uh, gave us an instant. Uh, energy you know and and spark when he came in and uh between what cam has done and how he's progressed and the offensive line play that's really been the biggest keys to getting this thing turned around you have the Sewell brothers playing against each other tonight. Yep. What do you think of each of their performances? They're both tremendous players. I mean, Noah is outstanding. And Nephi, I think Nephi may be the most underrated player in the conference. He's he's All he does is make play after play after play and doesn't get a whole lot of notoriety or recognition. He just quietly goes about his business and makes very few mistakes. There's Kyle Whittingham. Coming up next, more college football. Stay with us. They go into Sacramento, and they beat the Kings for the third time in three tries. I know that's supposed to be hard, but see, here's the deal. The Jazz are really good, and the Kings are really bad. That's when the sweeps happen. And the Kings handled things about the way you'd expect. It's a close game. It's a four-point game. The Kings got blown out the night before, embarrassed by the Raptors. They were down 99-66. It was a horrible game. So they come out and they play harder. And the Jazz up four going to the fourth quarter. The new zone. Decide it's time to put a run together. And they blow that game open, push the lead up over 15 in the opening minutes of the fourth quarter, and the thing was over. Of course, the only thing we're going to remember about that game is that fan who had too much and then threw up all over the court. Not once, but twice. I think I'll always remember Rudy Gobert saying that he got sick. And then he smiled at me, and then he got sick again. Because that's weird. That's creepy. I don't know what's going on there. Who smiles when they're getting sick? Who does that? Hey, this is great. No. You feel awful. It's terrible. It's disgusting. You don't smile at Rudy Gobert then. That's weird. And then after the game, the Kings do what they do. They fire their head coach. Again, Luke Walton's out. That's 10 coaches in 15 years. I actually saw a list of all 10 coaches. I want to memorize it. 
Because I figured PK had quizzed me on it. No, I already forgot. Walton had one of the three best records. I saw that. He had one of the, one of the three guys who managed to win 40% of his games there. So I don't know what you get for that, but he's out. And the Jazz have a three-game win streak, and they are moving on. They're home to face the Memphis Grizzlies. Tonight, we'll try to make it four in a row. You got it covered. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Well, the video of the night was LeBron smacking a guy up the face, and we got a bleeder, PK. The guy, Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah Stewart on the rebound. Smacked him. He was a tough guy. He only played one season for the Huskies and then came out. But, yeah, that was crazy. I mean, I think it was incidental contact, but Stewart wasn't having it. That blood wasn't incidental. Blood was everywhere. I'm not sure I've seen more blood on a, a player during an actual game ever. I don't remember the Rudy Tomjanovich thing, uh, which was gross. I mean, I remember it, but I didn't see it. I'm certainly aware of it. Yeah, I mean, I could see where he would be frustrated like that with all that blood. I imagine he'll face some suspensions. I saw one speculation they're supposed to play next week. Maybe they'd give them enough of a suspension that they won't play against each other next week. That seems like a lot of games to keep LeBron out of the league. I saw other people speculating, oh, come on, they're not really going to suspend him for the Madison Square Garden game, are they? I Which hate, is the next I hate when game? You have downtime in the office on Sunday nights. <laughs> I didn't have downtime. Sure you do. I've been there a million times. Uh, not, not anymore. Not right. Not right now. I don't have downtime. Come on. Come on. I mean, that's when you're just. I don't think LeBron's going to be suspended at all. Doesn't matter to the person who's receiving the elbow if it was meant on purpose or not. No, that's your face opened up. Yeah. Lakers were down, came back and won the game without him. Anthony Davis went for went for thirty. And they won 121-116. Lakers right at 500, 9-9 on the year. The Suns make it 12 straight. They blow out the Nuggets 126-97. to 12 in a row, PK, is pretty impressive after it that start. Too. No question. This yeah, is a absolutely. good run. They're, yeah. they're announcing last year was not a fluke. We are here. We are back. Now, it was a blowout, and uh, Jokic did not play, so obviously the Nuggets are down so many guys we can barely keep track anymore. Is that three starters now? Huh? Yeah. 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 Porter and Murray and the Yoke man. Uh, yeah, well, the, the Phoenix Suns now, I simply call them the BYU Cougars. Oh, really? They've backed it up. Back up one good year, back it up with another one. <laughs> Golden State Warriors, 15-2. and two. They dismantled Toronto 119-104. to 104. Wiggins went for 32. A dismantlization. A dismantlization. Yeah. Warriors' best record in the NBA. And it's not even close. I mean, Kerr has established himself as a phenomenal coach. (laughs) I mean that. Oh, you meant that seriously? Why wouldn't I? Uh, I didn't know where you were going with that. He's got tons of talent, but I mean, everybody who wins has tons of talent. But not everybody who has tons of talent wins. That is true. And their defensive numbers are very good. I'd have to check to see if they're still number one in the league. They got off to a great start. It's very unusual, the situation, too. He comes in, it's ready-made to win. They win, right? Right. Then they've got injuries, and and Durant leaves, and then they suck. 
Well, now uh, Curry's back healthy. Thompson still isn't there. So they've turned it over a little bit, Mm -hmm. a fair amount, but they still got the superstar who's the MVP of the season so far this early in it. And then they're winning at a high level again. Something's going right. A lot is going right, and that is why they are 15-2. and two. I mean, they're 2-15. and 15, He'd be out the door. Moving on. So you've got you've to give the praise when things are going well. Clippers beat the Mavericks 97-91. Paul George goes for 29 there. Clippers are three games over 500. They're 10-7. and seven. Behind the Jazz, but not that far behind the Jazz right now. Oh, they're extremely dangerous. Paul George has really come into his own. I mean, he... I realize he's had the prior uh, playoff uh, slumps or whatever you call it, uh, stinking. But, man, he's just he's great. He's a great, great player. Warriors, Suns, Jazz, and Clippers. Those are the top four in the West as, uh, as the season gets going here. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. A lot of winning over the weekend. A lot of tournaments. The Utes, the Aggies, Weber State, all improving to 5-0, all winning their tournaments. Utah State beats the Oklahoma Sooners 73-70, a game that went back and forth. Justin Bean had another big game, 24 points, 19 rebounds, and three assists, and two steals. I told you, that's Justin Bean Bryant. You know, we don't need a couple of months. Let's just do it right now. The one-in-one, he's the best player in the state. There, There it is. Yeah. We don't over, need a countdown. Over Barcelo. Oh, yeah. Cougar fans are going to go nuts. Let go nuts. I don't care. He's a bigger player. Yeah, he can do more for you. Yeah, he's just an, he, awesome. He's an Oklahoma kid, too. He is. And so that, that meant something to him uh, playing uh, Oklahoma, I'm sure. Uh, University of Oklahoma, really good. For, has been really good for many years. That's how good they are this year. But he's just outstanding, man. And he got his 24 points on 11 shots. 8 of 11 from the floor, hit both his threes, 6 of 7 at the line. Highly efficient. He's a great player, Justin Bean Bryant. Aggies improved to 4-1 and one on the year, winning the Myrtle Beach Invitational. That's prestigious. The Utes beat Tulsa. 72-58, the Utes improved to 5-0. and oh. Now they've had some scheduled wins in here. I don't know if any one win surprises you, but... Are you impressed they're at least off to a 5-0 start, or it's too scheduled? I'm highly impressed. I, I'm seriously having problems telling when, you, when you're being serious Are you and being impressed? sarcastic. I mean, you're everybody's buddy, so you're supposed to be impressed. Okay, then I'll be impressed. <laughs> they had three gimmies I don't know anything about Tulsa. I didn't have the free time. I didn't get to watch so the you know game. a lot about Boston College? No. But it's ACC. I figure there's at least, given the Pac-12's trop right. pro- that's problems. That's what you do. You just go to the name. You I go know. to the brand. That is, that is pulling in the you brand. You are all brand. Or not all brand. Well, I've, I call you Elton brand. And Weaver State beats Green Bay 68-58. to 58. Tulsa had Michael Ruffin. You just played him in the conference. I, I've been to their campus. They played them there. It was actually uh, in the city. That uh, that great illustrious Tulsa rice trip. All <laughs> 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 <saw> the memories, <laughs> the frequent flyer miles. The we had points. Tulsa and Rice were travel partners back in the obviously sixteen team. Uh, By whack. default, we got fourteen teams paired up. What do we do now? Yeah. Uh, these two, I guess. DJ and PK. 
Hashtag NFL. Division leaders, one after another, going down. Who's the best team in the NFL? The Cardinals were the two-loss team that kept it together with a backup quarterback again. 2-1 and one now without uh, Kyler Murray. They go into Seattle and win First time he's at Cole McCoy. First time he's had two wins as a quarterback in a season since 2011. <laughs> They've been around for a long time, man. Well, he got it done. 35 of 44, 328 yards and two scores. He's plenty good. I watched a lot of that game. Uh, I was flicking around. I got the ticket. And uh, Seattle has only scored one touchdown in two games. Short post-game press conference for Pete Carroll. Ended it after seven minutes. Didn't have an opening statement like he usually does. And then said, I'm done. And left. Seahawks look like they're done, too. Three and seven. And in, in a conference where almost everybody is within a game of the playoffs, they're not. Right. Now, he was injured for a while. But since he's been back two ball games, I think he got shut out last week by Green Bay, didn't he? And then... Uh, Russell Wilson, uh, it's, it's a, a struggle to get that offense going. Yeah, yeah. for sure. The Tennessee Titans, another two-loss division leader that got beat. When you lose the fi- the turnover battle 5-zip, it happens. That's an enormous number. Yeah. Texans win 22-13. to Tannehill throwing four interceptions in the game, and then they had a punt, hit a guy who didn't see the ball coming in, and it got his foot. Now is a gift for the Texans to get the ball down at the five-yard line. They win a 22-13. The worst team in the AFC beating the best team in the AFC, so... There's a, uh, another shocker. Uh, another two-loss team going down. The Dallas Cowboys really just could not get anything going against the Chiefs. Now, they were down one receiver going into the game without Amari Cooper, and they lost CeeDee Lamb. Chiefs got an interception in the end zone, and he's trying to make a play and hit his head on the ground. So he left with a concussion. Thanksgiving Day, Thursday, they could be down two, two good receivers there and be real shorthanded for that game. But the Chiefs get the win there and, uh, and beat the Cowboys. And the Packers, another two-loss team that went down to defeat that game. They just went up and down the field at the end of the game. I thought that was a lot of points until I watched the Steelers and the Chargers pile on the points in the Sunday night game in the final 10 minutes of that game. Yeah, that's the NFL with the Vikings and the Packers. I'm not really surprised. Vikings now 500 after that 34-31 win. The Ravens win. The former Ute quarterback, Tyler Huntley. They beat the Bears 16-13. 10 points in the fourth quarter, and Huntley goes 26 of 36, 219 yards, no scores, one pick. Had a big completion on the game-winning drive. Got it, got him first in goal with a big throw, and, and then they ran it in. That's a great success story. Absolutely. Love that kid. And the Buffalo Bills, another division leader that gets beat. They get lit up. Jonathan Taylor runs for four touchdowns, catches a touchdown pass for a fifth score. He has a career day. The Colts win 41-15. Buffalo drops to 6-4, and four, and the Patriots at 7-4 and four, now lead that division. Yeah, I thought the Patriots were in that in first place anyway. Uh, on 6-3 over 7-4, I guess it was percentage points for the Bills. They're both three games over. So. DJ and PK. Hashtag BYU. Well, there's about 10 minutes there in the second quarter that didn't look good, and they gave up the lead, but order was restored, and they beat Georgia Southern to improve to 9-2. and two. Oh, I know. I didn't see it. <laughs> Streaming only. I wouldn't even pay for it. Yeah, I don't blame you. 
They scored to go up 14-3. They looked like they were complete control of the game. And then uh, for two drives there, Georgia Southern was able. They ran it. They stopped BYU on downs, forced them to turn the ball over. It went down and scored again. And somebody must have said something on the sideline because there's six minutes left in the second quarter. And the defense locked them up the rest of the way. Yeah. Come on. We're going to break down this game. Now they go to USC, who got smoked by UCLA, 62-33. to Have you seen the spread for that game? For BYU-SC? Yeah, BYU-SC. Uh, I'd probably go touchdown extra point Cougars. That is what it is, seven points. Oh. I thought it would be way more than that. I thought at least 10, if not 14. SC's now lost... All six of their losses are by 14 points or more. These guys get blown out, and they've lost four out of five. The win is Arizona. I mean, they want to get to the end of the season. I'm sure somebody in L.A. is writing about bowl eligibility. Why Why would they want that? They're ready to move on. Why would they want I can't. Because they want to play football. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah. That was over at halftime. Kyle Whittingham just said it in the last segment. Two touchdowns in the last minute of the half ended that. The Utes were in a good place anyway, but that just blew it wide open. Absolute domination. Best win they've ever had in the conference. Complete and total domination. That was a highlight. University of Utah football. Everything you wanted, you had. He gets the most wins in the school history. Uh, It was the day before his birthday. Uh, just an incredible, incredible evening. Uh, you could not ask for more. Cam Rising is absolutely brilliant. His instinct on when to run the third and fives, to pick up the first downs early to extend the drives were just gigantic. Defense, best performance in a good, good long while. Anthony Brown isn't good enough. I've been saying this for a long time. I've been saying the Utes are going to the Rose Bowl for a long time. Nothing to me has changed at all. Complete and total domination. Couldn't, I literally couldn't have been more impressed. David Thomas, three touchdowns. School record, 17 rushing touchdowns. Yeah, again, they plucked some kid out of nowhere. You know, signing day, uh, this and that. I didn't even remember his. I didn't remember hearing about him until the training camp. And then they beat it in your head the first three or four days. And they go, okay, there's something there. And there has been something there. 21 carries, 94 yards for him. And now it's uh, on to Colorado. See that spread? Uh, I don't even know if I'd play my starters, uh, <laughs> but uh, I would say probably about 20. 24. That'll be uh, Friday at uh, 2 o'clock on Big Fox. We'll be over the air again. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah State. Super disappointing loss for the Aggies. Down early to Wyoming a couple times. They tie the game up at 14, and then it is all Wyoming. And Wyoming wins going away 44-17. to Still a chance to go to the conference title game. They'll need San Diego State to beat Boise State, and they need to beat New Mexico. And that gets them into the conference title game. So there's a potential pathway there. But they were in control of their own destiny, and they get blown out at home by the Cowboys. We're not a good football team, but on this night, they were. They were plenty good enough on this night. I mean, I don't know that they're bad. They lost to New Mexico. That's usually a sign you're bad. They lost five out of six. Oregon State is playing for the right to go to the Rose Bowl, and they lost to Colorado. Yep. But they haven't lost five out of six. No. Okay, you got me there, numbers guy. (laughs) What? Uh, 
I, I don't think or, or, or Wyoming's a bad football team by any stretch. And, and really, it doesn't matter. If they go 9-3, and three, it's considered a wildly successful season. Huge turnaround coming off the 1-7 and seven last year. And they're 8-3 and three right now, headed to Albuquerque. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Well, it was two top ten teams, but it sure didn't look like it. Ohio State scores touchdowns on their first seven possessions and leads 49-0 at halftime and blows out Michigan State. Ready to rank them number two, PK? The college football I'm ready playoff to rank them number one. Oh, really? Move over, Georgia. They're dominant. And then you don't need to be ranked number two and number one. That's irrelevant. But they are dominant. They're absolutely dominant. Yeah, their offense is just so high-powered. Alabama got a scare from Arkansas, but held them off 42-35 and still on track for a showdown with Georgia in the SEC title game. We'll see if the SEC gets, gets two teams into the playoff now that the ACC is out and the Pac-12 is out and the Big 12 So there's a might doubt in your mind, apparently? That they could get two in? Yeah. Yeah, if Georgia crushes Alabama in the title game, they won't get two in. If Bama wins, they'll get two in. And then if it's close, we'll see what happens. They're getting two in. They're getting two in. Come on. Georgia wins by 20. They're not getting two in. Georgia wins by three. Yeah, you're right. They're getting two in. Cincinnati crushed SMU. Will that be enough to get the Bearcats in? They got to back it up with a win over Houston in the conference title game? I'd put them in. Houston's a good ball club. I think they deserve it. I think doing what Cincinnati has done... It's very difficult. You're getting everybody's best shot in that conference. It's their Super Bowl. So, yeah, absolutely I would. But I'm partial to the little guy. One loss Notre Dame got any hope? Or are they going to be left out of the party? I think they have hope, yeah. Need some help. But I can't speak for some people who yeah. are going to vote. I mean, I really don't care. Florida lost on a two-point conversion in overtime and then fired their coach. Dan Mullen is out. The Gators are 5-6. and six, And that is the Utes opener next year. So Florida will have a new head coach and whoever that is will be making their debut against Utah in the season opener next year. DJ and PK. There you go. There are the headlines. That is what is trending. It's brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Nick Ford, University of Utah offensive lineman, is going to join us at 9 o'clock. Blake Anderson, Aggie football coach, will join us at 9.30. Right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The new zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5-1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair? It's 2021 and you don't have to. 
UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.utahairmd.com. Question of the morning. Wow. How is Utah not the best team in the Pac-12 after that beatdown of Oregon? And quickly it devolves into a lot of BYU and Utah fans shouting at each other. Which isn't the question, but I don't think we can help ourselves, PK. The rivalry lives on in all things, and it certainly does in this. I think Utah's a top 10 team in the country right now. I know they wouldn't be there because of the other losses, but things have changed dramatically since then. They have got a rolling. I think they're clearly the best program in the Pac-12 right now because SC's a mess, and Oregon is viewed as the top program, and you just destroyed them. I know you may have to do it in two weeks, but we're talking about right now. Right now, they are miles in front of them, and we just watched that for three hours. Kent says the fact is Oregon's been overrated all season because they beat Ohio State to start the year, but then they lost to Stanford, which nobody in the world knows how that happened. Pac-12 head scratchers, your theory comes to life. Yeah, that was there, no doubt about it. Uh, It doesn't much matter anymore. But yeah, I, I don't think they were that good. I never thought they were as good as they were purported to be. And they did get that win against Ohio State, so you got to give it to them. Uh, but, you know, you got to allow for teams to develop. So you've got to allow for Ohio State to develop, and you've got to allow Utah to develop, and both those programs have developed at a high, high level. Obviously, Ohio State is just beating a snot out of everybody now. I suspect they'll do it again this week against Michigan. Michigan, right? Uh, Who is stopping that offense? Nobody. And uh, that I can see, and we'll see if they get Georgia. Maybe that'll be a game for the ages. We'll see how that happens here in a few weeks. Uh, but for right now, Utah, absolutely and totally dominant. Yeah, incredibly dominant. By far their best win ever since they've been in this conference. What were the previous best wins? Oregon and Oregon? I don't know, and I don't care. <laughs> how can you rank them if you don't know the other ones? Well, Because that's what you do. Okay. You remember the games, Oregon and Oregon. I just, I don't know and I don't care. That What I saw right there, that was the best I've seen of I them. I know, but just last week you were pleading guilty to the recency bias. You says you, you fall into that all the time. I, I plead guilty this week too, and I'll plead guilty to that next week. I'm not, don't relax. You get a, you're a Hall of Famer, dude. You like to tweet that complimented yourself. That's who you are. <laughs> You like to tweet that complimented yourself. <laughs> All we need to know about you is summed up in that. There it is. <laughs> it's like saying thank you, dude. So yes, I, I like wouldn't it. have any idea. I don't get complimented on Twitter. You do too. I've seen it. You're, You're lying. lying. Yes. Well, let me know and I'll retweet it. Okay. You have to retweet it <laughs> so everyone sees it, like you did. <laughs> I liked it. I didn't retweet it. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what the hell the difference is. I don't spend that much time on Twitter. Uh, so I don't care what the other games were. This was the best one. This was the best win that they've had. That's all I need to know. Shane, you, you Shane can isn't buying yourselves. it. Go Shane, ahead. Shane isn't buying it. He says, this played out perfectly. Utah blows out Oregon at home, and all the mighty Ute fans are falling all over themselves, but in true Utah fashion, they will most likely lay an egg in two weeks in Las Vegas. Maybe they will. I mean, I don't even know who they're going to play. And I don't care who they're going to play. I got a friend of mine. He was texting me 
on Saturday night. Now, he, he actually called the uh, punt return. He texted me. He's a big Ute fan. Got season tickets. The family's got them for years and years, and they've already got 15 tickets to go to Vegas, and they've had them for a couple of weeks. He texted me, Covey's taking this to the house. He literally texted me before, really? before the punt. Nice yes. call. Yes, yes. Wow. And then he's, all, he's probably listening right now. He's a hardcore listener because then he texts it back. Anybody can tell you what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, absolutely genius. And he actually texted me before the game said they win by 20. And I said, whoa, hold your horses. But they did. And they won by more than 20, obviously. Uh, so with that in mind. He called a punt return. Uh-huh. That, is, uh, yeah. that is nice work yeah. right there. Yeah. Uh, He's saying, oh, they could have a, a potential three-way tie. I said, 38-7, to seven, who cares? I, I couldn't care less who they're going to play. It doesn't matter. Wazoo. It, Oregon State, Oregon. Who cares? Take them all. I, it, it literally does not matter. And I know they lost to Oregon State. But I don't care. Whoever wins, wins. And that's who you play. I have no preference, one over the other. It does, just does not matter in the least. Uh, the way this program is right now, the way they're humming along and playing, it's just amazing. It's been an amazing season. Got a poll question up on Twitter. Ute fans, who do you want to play in the Pac-12 title game in Las Vegas? Don't care. Oregon's getting 24% of the vote. Oregon State's getting 23 Washington State's getting 16 And it doesn't matter... Is getting thirty six. If you have supreme confidence in your team, what difference does it make? And I've got supreme confidence in this team. Cam Rising is just incredible. Uh, His statistics are never going to overwhelm you because they're primarily a running program anyway. But just the ability to avoid the rush and pick up a first down, do what you need to do, is just absolutely incredible. The kid that they would be in the playoff discussion. If he had started from day one, if they had listened to me, and like you said so car- sarcastically, you tell should Kyle. go to. I should have. <laughs> I should have. I talked to him yesterday, but I didn't tell him you should have started. Uh, Cam Rising, but to me it was clear. He just he's got what it takes, man. The guy's a, he's defined as a winner. He's not defined as a stat guy. He's defined as a winner. And ultimately, that's all that matters. And that's how I define Cam Rising, as a winner. Well, they won all over the field. I mean, any matchup you want, they won it. They had the better quarterback play. Their O-line and D-lines both won. Their special teams won, which has been the Achilles heel this year. That's been the problem. But they weren't getting their field goals deflected. They were deflecting him. Hmm. Obviously, the punt return was a huge play. Just kind of the exclamation point on the deal. Yes, it was. It certainly was. It wasn't needed to win the game. No. But it was an electrifying player by a young fella who is tiny and and just so fun to watch. We've all loved him. I suppose BYU fans don't love him. but Do we need to acknowledge just the buffoonery that, they, that Oregon decided to actually do something with that yeah, possession? Maybe you should have just punted it in the fifth row. Well, and the two incomplete passes. Well, I was say, so just they trying the to do anything other yeah, than Yeah, but I mean, ball. I don't have a problem with that because twenty-one they, nothing. Yeah. Be aggressive, make a play, try to get they, back. They in had the game. to get some form of momentum. The problem okay. is Anthony Brown. If you have to rely on him uh, and yeah. his ability to throw, it's not going to happen. Well, they had to because the Utah 
defense completely smothered that run game. I mean, we were sitting here talking about if you hold them to 150 yards, you win. If 200, who knows? 250, they're going to win. And they didn't even get to 100 yards. No. And that was... I mean, if there was something shocking in the game, it'd have to be that. The, the Utes held Oregon to 63 yards rushing, and I know sack yardage messes it up a little bit, but that was a dominant performance by the Utah. I mean, strength against strength, and they won overwhelmingly. I did not know that Oregon was going to be without its three top receivers and they're without their top running back, but sucks for them. Uh, that's the way it goes. And I've never believed in Brown from the start of the season. I didn't believe in him last year. I don't believe in him this year. I believe in rising. And I think they're going to the Rose Bowl. One game to go to get there. Colorado game's irrelevant. They'll play it, but it's all about the Pac-12 title game for the Utes now. Yeah, at this point, it would be combined the level of disappointment of the prior two games in which they went uh, and did not win if they were to lose this one. That's saying something. There was plenty of disappointment the last two times, but it would be massive after that win over Oregon. Right. Right, this would be the ultimate disappointment right now if they were not. And that's the deal where, you know, much is given, much is expected type of thing. And right now, after you put the Pac-12 on notice that anything that goes through Pasadena is going to go through Salt Lake City first. I can remember I tweeted it out. And this, the guy that I know at ASU is all hyped up. Rose Bowl goes through Tempe, buddy. <laughs> I, I didn't respond because I don't respond to people. And thought, not nah, that's not the way it is. It's, it's not the way it's ever been. And I don't see anything changing in the near future. In fact, I see Tempe becoming, uh, if there are any form of relevance today, that's how much irrelevance they're going to have in the next three or four years until the new coach can uh, can get going. And I did hear over the weekend that there's a certain BYU coach can have that job if he wants it. As long as he keeps winning, he's going to keep getting calls from Pac-12 schools. Yeah. But does he want it? I don't know. Yeah. I've not spoken a word to him about it. I've spoken to several around him many times over. Uh, uh, but that's uh, that's what I ha- I heard over the weekend. Yeah, and so take it for what it's worth. Believe it. Don't believe it. I really don't care. Uh, I just put it out there. If he were to want it, and they're waiting for um, the staff is waiting for BYU to come to them and say we're going to keep you and here's what we're going to do. Hasn't happened yet. Well, that just keeps opening the door then. Maybe it'll never happen. Maybe it will happen. I, don't know, I do not know the answer to that, but I can tell you what they're waiting on. Because if he goes, most of those dudes are going with going him. Going with him, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't be a surprise at all to find out half or two-thirds of the staff or whatever. I mean, kind yeah. of a Bronco-type deal. He didn't take everybody, but he took a lot of people. Yeah. And According to Bronco, he took 14 people with him and 14 people accepted. Yeah, well, I think that the 14, though, I think that was it, seven. It was seven, including, the, he was talking about the wives. Yeah, right. Yeah. Which you were surprised being Utah wasn't like, you know, 23, 24. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when he said that 14, I saw people, wow, he took 14 guys? No. No, he took <laughs> seven assistants seven dudes, and their wives. And they took 
their wives and their children. So he actually took more than seven, uh, 14 because uh, most of them have children. And they all went and uh, established themselves on the other side of the country and doubled their pay in the process. <laughs> Ka-ching! Yeah, yeah. You hear anything about what ASU might be paying? I have not, no. 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 I mean, I, that's, to, to me, that's a little bit uh, down the line, but although not far, because I've also told these next two weeks are going to be extremely wild. And they usually are. But maybe it's uh, on a scale, it's a little more wild or wilder than normal. And if you just look new, at it, if you look at it numbers wise, there's already three openings in the conference. Right. And, and it's all across the country. Or possibly five. That early recruiting date has sped everything up, and we're just seeing people. Nobody's waiting for the end of Well, I shouldn't say that. Yeah. A lot of people are not waiting for the end of the season. I can't say nobody is because they, they, you know, the season ends and then they're Black Monday. I don't know if the early recruiting date has because it's, a lot of it's the transfer portal now. And that can go right up until July. And it if you're can. a grad transfer, it can go right up until August. So There are big-time programs open right now. Recruiting rankings, to a degree, are irrelevant. Yeah. but they've, And they've never been more irrelevant. They are now a midterm. They are not the final anymore. It used to be, you got these guys, you're in great shape, whether it was true or not, but that was it. And now everyone recognizes, that's good so far, now what? Recruiting absolutely matters. As Kyle has said a billion times, and it does matter. There's no question. Uh, yeah, that, that's the whole key to the program. He'll tell you that through and through. Um, but there's, there's more levels of recruiting than ever. High school, junior college, and transfer. And you've got to mine all three of those successfully, which Utah has done with the running back position. And they, they lost their best runner ever in terms of yardage and Zach Moss and then they lost their best freshman ever in terms of the death of Ty Jordan and, and yet and yeah they're three deep they're still rolling sure. maybe four still, still rolling yeah because they went ahead and brought in three transfers and Bernard stayed and away they go you know that, so you've got to you got to be adept at doing that and actually I think this feeds into Utah's strengths even more because if you are interested in transferring, there's, it's, there, obviously there's a reason. And maybe one of those reasons, most likely, I don't know, I'd have to speak to somebody who's an expert on this, Scally, or somebody who knows far more than I do about it, would be that they have been underutilized, underdeveloped, will go to a program that is the king of developing and utilizing so this transfer thing is just going to just be even bigger and better for the U of U. I think you're probably right about a couple of those things. He would probably just add to the list, I would think. I mean, there, right, there's, right. There's all sorts of reasons. Right. There's, there's uh, because of all the coaching changes. There's guys who the previous staff believed in, and yeah. now they're just pushed over to the side. So they're looking for somewhere to go. Even if it's a reclamation project off the field, a la Darren Carrington, he <sighs> obviously reason. had issues at Oregon, yeah. and then he came here. And I interviewed him 20 times, and he was a model kid. Every time you talked to him, he'd tell you how grateful he was for the opportunity. And he came here, and he was injured a little bit. But when he was healthy, he was productive. And he, as far as I know, anyway, he caused no problems. So they've also got that rep of, if you've got some issues, come here, and we'll love you because we're a family, and we'll take care of you and get yourself and your reputation and all that stuff back on track which Kyle has done to a large degree. 
He's taken kids who've had some baggage. Francis Bernard, right, who playing was playing yesterday in the NFL and was a great player for them. He had some baggage in Provo, right? Uh, some would say a lot of baggage in Provo. Sure, and I don't know that you throw a kid out the window and uh, you know whatever because but, he's had some problems at 20, point, 21, 22. Yeah, to your point, when he was at Utah, though, he was yeah on point. Like he figured things right. out. Yeah, yeah, good interview. Uh, and, and and had some perspective. Uh, Devontae Booker had issues at the junior college level. Senior day, I talked to him. Hey, man, how much have you matured? He looked at me, he's like tears almost welled in his eyes about how far he had come. And he's still in the NFL today. So you got all that stuff going on with the U of U. And it, that, that transfer portal, you're not going to get everybody. But I would consider Utah, if I needed to resurrect my career in college, Utah's a fine place to do it because they've got a heck of a track record. And I think BYU would develop it too, especially as they go into the Big 12. DJ and PK, your reaction to the weekend of football and the jazz, and we'll get to all of that coming up. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Unripe. Guys are doing a hell of a job. What are the odds that Mark Harlan calls Kalani to just chat about things in the next couple of years. Is that totally insane to think that Kalani would entertain a, a, a job offer from Utah, a place that he's pulled the paycheck down from before? Here's why I say yes, it's a possibility. Ooh. And I say yes because Kalani Sataki would be phenomenal at Utah. Oh, boy. I hate it even hearing that come he out would, of your mouth. I, I, well, he would. I mean, It sounded I mean, disgusting. How, how he would recruit and what he could bring to the program. Unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK in the morning proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Utah Jazz get another win, PK. That is three in a row. They got the Memphis Grizzlies coming in tonight. And at this point, consistency you got two other teams in the West just night in and night out. Punch the clock, whatever uh, Jerry Sloan metaphor you'd like, and win night after night. I don't know how much you can break down at this point and how much teams are going to change. we got a trade deadline. I'm sure we'll have injuries. But there is something at the core of the Warriors and the Suns. Uh, do you doubt that either of these teams are going to, barring a series of injuries, are going to maybe not go at this rate because the Suns are on a 12-game win streak, but they're going to keep winning at a pretty good clip. So are the Jazz. Everybody heading for 60 wins? It doesn't matter. It, just play consistent ball, stay healthy in the postseason. That's what you want. 60 wins, 55 wins, what difference does it make? Well, if you're going to keep pace and win at the same clip they are, I think that's the clip they're winning. I mean, the Warriors are winning. But that, bigger all that does that. is guarantee you a certain seed. Right. It doesn't guarantee you anything beyond that. That is true. And I'm concerned with beyond that. I'm not concerned with the stuff between now and then, unless they start losing a fair amount of ball games. It's a whole other story. I, mean, I, I don't think there's any difference between uh, any of the seeds. There won't be that many more advantages or disadvantages. The Jazz got to one last year, but still went out in the second round. Right. And that will be possible again this year. So I'm, not, I'm really not worried about what anybody else is doing. I'm exclusively worried about, concerned about, worried is the wrong word, but interested, focused on what the Jazz are doing. That's all that matters. How are they playing? 
How are they continuing to win? Get better. Uh, you know, they're going to have some games, turnovers jump out at you a little bit. And, you know, how are they going to be able to, to get a handle on that? But there's still, even if, even if they get a handle on it, there's still some games they're going to have 18. There's just so many games. And, you know, if it becomes a pattern, then I'll use the word worry. But I don't think we're anywhere near that. And those other teams are really good. Even if they slump a little bit, they're still really good. Well, the Warriors are going to have to slump. Right, exactly. You're not going to. And Phoenix has won 12 right. in a row. Yeah. So, you know, what do they get? Is, uh, the, was it the Lakers, 33, 70-something, <laughs> 72, was it? Going for the record, baby. Yeah. I mean, they're probably not going to get that. You know, you get to 20 wins. Wow. And that's, that's very impressive these days. Uh, so these teams, you look at Phoenix, uh, you look at the Warriors, clearly they're better than they were last year, I, I believe. Because Phoenix, save Chris Paul, is so young that it you ought to be improving to because of your age, yeah. and you ought to be improving because now you've gone through experiences you hadn't gone through before. Right, Booker was already really good, but now he's been to the NBA Finals. Yeah, and that is that should help. And I think his arc is still growing. Uh, Bridges is a young fella. They brought in McGee as a backup center, and he's been playing nice minutes because Aiton was out a little bit. And Aiton is is a tender age. I mean, I don't think he's what twenty two, twenty three. So they were going to be better. The Warriors are, are going to be better simply because of health, and they still don't even have the full capacity of health yet. <laughs> I know. You know, so uh, I, I, although I don't, I don't think that the Warriors, you're just going to take them and add Clay Thompson to the mix. Because you're seeing, like you brought it up in What's Trending, you spoke about Wiggins doing a lot of scoring. Mm-hmm. Well, his scoring is going to be reduced. reduced. You know, it's like the Jazz added gay. And it's not like they just added Gay to the mix because what they did in the process is basically subtract Pascal. He's, his minutes clearly, obviously, are suffering, right? I mean, and that's a lower-level example than Clay Thompson, but you get the point. So I don't think he's just going to come in there and whatever they have, he's just going to add to it. It doesn't really work that way. Somebody's games or somebody's their games are going to take a little bit of a hit because Thompson, when he's ready to go, and maybe he needs a little acclimation process, but after he comes, gets past that, uh, he's going to do what he does, and someone else's game is going to suffer. So it's not like Thompson's going to come back, wow, they've added this potential Hall of Famer, look out. But still, they're going to be very dangerous. And then you got the other teams, uh, you know, Denver. Denver is just, get us there. Just get as they're healthy right now. They're bruised and battered. They've got no shot to be competitive right now as we speak today. Well, we're still only in November, right? We're and barely yet, a month right. into it. You're down three starters, but you still got a winning record. Yeah. So just get us there. And the Porter thing and nerve issues I read over the weekend, and he could be, uh, he could, this could be a long term deal for him. And obviously, uh, Murray's out for a long term here. And right. yeah. late this year, maybe we see him again. We'll have to see. Right, so they're they're hanging on, and if they if you could tell right now, Michael Malone, not Mike, Michael, that you'll get in the postseason and you'll be healthy in May first. Do you take it? Yeah, yeah there's no question. absolutely. Right, right. Can I get my whole team. Okay, right. and the Lakers are a process. I don't particularly believe in them, uh, but at the same time. I'm not going to count out one of the greatest players we've ever seen until he's counted out. Uh, so he's, you know, 
He's obviously maybe, maybe not obviously, maybe he's not the same, but he's still incredible. And and Anthony Davis can rise up and really play. Well, I mean, they would they would probably like the same offer you just gave the Nuggets. Um, get get to April one. Yeah, but they don't really have any injuries right now. Megas healthy. Well, I just because LeBron's been in and out of the lineup. If LeBron is healthy and in the lineup and on a roll, they'll be. F- and AD too. I mean, you're right. Like they don't have a problem with them right now, but they did last year, obviously. Yeah, I think that's always going to be an underlying uh, issue with them. He's injury prone. And LeBron will be 37 here next month. Uh, so he's getting up there, obviously. Not too many 37-year-old guys being your your uh, best player leading you. Uh, but, hey, if anybody can do it, he can do it, that's for sure. So uh, they're, they're dangerous. And then there's some other dangerous teams out there, too. I mean, we're seeing one tonight coming into the arena. The Memphis Grizzlies. Right. First-round right. opponent in the playoffs last year. They're, they're dangerous. Uh, it- even though the series ended quickly, all the games were competitive, yeah. and they're going to get they're going to get better. They're they're on they're on the come. They're barely getting started here, so we put all that all in the mix. And I'm not going to just obsess over the standings between now and whenever, unless they start to lose. You know, I, I started to dip my toes in the obsession last week. <laughs> <laughs> dip your toes in the obsession. Yeah, that sounds like some kind of fragrance ad gone horribly wrong. <laughs> He's Patrick Kinahan. He's <laughs> dipping his toes in obsession. Yeah. Like, ew. That's nice. I like it. You're a marketing genius. You've always <laughs> been able to do that. You're, you, you've got great marketing ideas. You've always been impressive in that. They lost four out of five. And that, and so that, if you dip your toes little... in the obsession at that point, I can't blame you. Right. Because they violated one of the uh, NBA's unwritten rules. If you play a team twice in a week, you're supposed to split, and they lost twice to Miami. And Indiana, that was not an Indiana team that they should have lost to at home. It just shouldn't have happened. No. That was Orlando was back to back on the road. I guess if you're going to give somebody a hall pass, that would be the one. Okay, and split with Miami, but that's that. at least two losses too many I, in a five game stretch. Hundred percent agree. Yeah, absolutely. And if they were sitting here at uh, thirteen and three now instead of eleven and five, be right up there alongside Phoenix, one game behind the Warriors in the loss column. They can't sustain this, so blah blah blah. Right, but and agreed, but they're not too far behind anyway. But I'm not going to really worry about the standings. Unless they start losing. Right. And this week is a chance for them to show their consistency and how good they are because, man, Memphis at home, and they're good and it should be a hard game. And then in the end, you ought to win it. Agreed. And go to Oklahoma City, overachieving expectations, What's but that? still Wednesday? short of 500. Yeah. And then who they got Friday? They got a back-to-back oh, New Orleans weird. on Friday. Yeah, that, that is weird, weird right? New Orleans, New Orleans and Salt Lake City two nights so in a row. So it's a home back-to-back, which yeah. is unusual to start with. And a Friday. And it's the same opponent yeah. on a Friday and a Saturday. But this is a depleted team with a terrible record. So the greatest player ever isn't playing yet? No. No Zion. Uh, so set up. It's a three-game win streak. I'll play yeah, yeah, four yeah. at a time. Let's go. Well, there's no reason. There's absolutely no reason. Although Oklahoma City can battle you, you got to admire their toughness. Everybody's got NBA guys, and you shoot the three one night. Yeah. And the Jazz have their twenty turnover game and give up. And fast Joe, break if points. you're taking your kids to school, you like to just ride us because we're old. And I am old as dirt now. There's no doubt about it. I'm getting my fake teeth put in this afternoon. And oh, geez, but Josh Giddy, the 18 year old Australian, uh-huh. he comes to you, Joe, for advice. 
Because it's fatherly advice. No! Because <laughs> <laughs> you're 34. Age, it's all relative. And if you're 18, if you're 34... Oh, your Grandpa Walton at that point. <laughs> Put on the bib overalls and go out to the barn. So I didn't want to tell him that last week because he likes to tease. But he's a little upset if you tease back. Uh, so I'm teasing That's him That's a good rule, though. If you, can, if you can get the rules of the game set up so that you dish it out and you don't have to take it, I mean, good luck with that, but... If you can get it set up, that's pretty good. They, the, Oklahoma City is extraordinarily young. And any given Sunday, to borrow the NFL phrase, they're dangerous. Just like Memphis. And then that, that's what keeps me interested in the regular season. Is that tonight, I get to watch a player like Morant. And I don't watch him that You're much. Not I see highlights. Yeah, right. But now, but now I get, get to focus on him, yeah. And I'm, I, he's a nice player. He's an exciting young player. And most of these teams in this league have some exciting young players that I can enjoy watching as I'm watching the Jazz, which is part of the gig, so you watch the Jazz. Same thing Wednesday. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Utes with a big win over Oregon. we got a poll question up. David DJ James on Twitter. Who... Do you want to see the youths play in the Pac-12 title game? We will tell you about that next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Question of the morning. We got it up on our Facebook page. Wow. How is Utah not the best team in the Pac-12 after that beatdown of Oregon? I think it's undisputed. They are the best team. Yeah. Oregon was on the road in a neutral side, and Britton Covey went into how mad they'll be if there's a rematch. So they lit a fire under them. Okay, I buy all that. And yeah, if I'm a Ute fan, not this week. I'm relaxing this week. I'm going to eat turkey and stuff myself <laughs> uh, beyond belief. It doesn't even really matter if you lose, but I don't think it will. Uh, I just don't get hurt. Uh, I, I would have a level of nervousness next week. Sure, yeah, I, I buy all that. But for me... I don't have that fan connection, and I can look at it, and I use the word objectively, but the word objective is a relative word, because I believe everyone has bias, and I certainly have bias towards the U, there's no doubt about it, uh, but I think that they win that game too. I think that was such a beatdown, that there was nothing, zero flukiness about it. You cannot say, yeah, but, in any form. On that thing. You got annihilated. One team annihilated the other. And it's going to be like a home crowd in Vegas. This will be the first time Utah will simulate what BYU has done many times over in Vegas. So, I wonder how many fans, I will never know, I wonder how many fans that was worth. Because it is motivating to see the way they crushed them there. And there were some people who were already in there, already going. You had your buddy who already had the 15 tickets. You told us last week, and he's hardcore, and the whole family's hardcore. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. I would think that there are people on the fence who are like, bleep it, we're going. Thousands. Yeah. So if that was worth another five or 10,000 fans, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I talked to the ticket guys in Tucson, and I'm, I know them. I've known them for years. Mm-hmm. 
and they were joking with me about wanting to get the uh, see the tickets sold because their job is to sell tickets, right? That, that's their job. <laughs> right. And I said, you got nothing to worry about here. Well, they couldn't sell them against uh, the week of the U of A because they hadn't clinched yet. I said, you've got nothing to worry about. I believe you fans will respond in mass. And now I made that statement, what, nine days ago? And you're ready to double down. Yes, yeah. precisely. Yes. I, I really did think that because there was watching that game in the second half. There was nothing to see. The game was over. And it was it, a celebration. But it, was, but it was a celebration. And they take those shots of the stands and the total bedlam. I'm thinking, how many people have either confirmed what they were wondering about or just completely changed their mind? I'm not going. Yes, I am going. I think they're going to win it and I want to be there. Tens of thousands. <laughs> they're going to have 40,000 U fans there? I've seen laugh? 20, 25. The, the, the Fiesta Bowl, and you did say that you saw people there from your neighborhood who you know for a fact are hardcore Cougar fans, and they were there wearing red. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the thing is, you can't dismiss that. And I know in Sports Talk Radio, it's red versus blue, and fans light each other. I mean, we had a question about the Utah-Oregon game, and ended up Utah-BYU fans on our Facebook page lighting each other up. But there are a lot oh, of families. Oh, I think BYU's better than Utah. I'll there, say that flat out. There are a lot of... That's for Thank another, you. That's Thank for you. another Thank segment. Thank you for going there right now. That's for another segment. Save it. But there are families where they've got both, and they do go to both games, and they do wear red and blue. Right, you've got some faithful and you got some apostates. I understand. I know where <laughs> you're going. Some of the faithful married some of the apostates. Yeah, and we've gotten. And we they like to go to. We football didn't accept games. it at first, but we gotten over it. <laughs> they They're like to go to football games. People. Oh yeah, I think I-15 is going to be a flood of cars. Absolutely, man. The Fiesta Bowl was about an experience. Mm-hmm. This is about a game. You know, you're going down to watch the game. The other one, it was it was a Christmas week. It was holiday season. I mean, I I was. You know, I lived down there for many years. I consider that my home. And I was walking around, killing time in Old Town Scottsdale. And I saw people, people were PKing me everywhere. It was like I was in downtown Salt Lake City. Uh, it was just, yeah, it was just incredible. And they were doing the tourist thing. And I saw them. I saw them. I went to the festival parade because they made me write a 25 inch story and then used one inch of it uh, and uh, plugged it in someplace else. I saw tons of people. I don't know that we'll see like vacationers, but they'll be there for the game. Because this is not the time of year for vacation. That was, and the weather was going to be, you know, so much oh, better. You take blah, the blah, day blah. off work, drive down yeah. that day. Yeah, yeah. And if you, if you know, you can come back to St. George after the game, or you can come back the next day. So it's going to be relatively uh, cheap under the circumstances. So yes, I expect them. Uh, you know, not to the extent that they had in Rice Eccles, but I expect them to have overwhelming. Because unless it's maybe Oregon State, Oregon can't be fired up about it. They wanted playoff, and you you got run off the field. Washington State, that's a long way to go, and you know you kind of backdoor it if you get it. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be a huge city. It's going to be what BYU has had so many times over the years. We've seen it. We've been to Vegas Bowls. We saw it firsthand. Uh, I was there, Arizona, earlier this season. I saw it again, of course. It's going to be that. Instead of blue, it's going to be predominantly red. And it's going to be a showcase, man. It's going to be a showcase of your program. And at this point, you're the best program in the conference. And you've only been in the conference for 10 years? That's just amazing. You've overcome these, uh, bypassed these programs that you think would have advantages over you, but don't. 
Looking at you, USC. Looking at you, UCLA. Looking at you, Washington. ASU? Um, maybe the U of A, but probably not. Uh, but certainly four or five schools. And you've just, you've just left them in the dust. And now you got this opportunity to go to the Rose Bowl, and it's right there. It, this is a dream come true. They got to get it done, but it's a dream come true for the for this program and all of its fans. Yeah. So if I'm working at the U today, I got a smile ear to ear on my face, man. This is a phenomenal program, and in a few years they'll be playing uh, Kyle Whittingham Field at Rice Eccles Stadium. <laughs> they will. Brian says, "Fantastic game." What an atmosphere. Utah's easily the best team in the Pac-12. I can't wait for the championship game in Las Vegas. I'm with you. Dave says, impressive win for Utah. This BYU fan hopes to see Utah in Pasadena on January 1st. I believe it'll happen. I've been saying it for weeks. But it looks way more obvious now. It looks better. Now. So more because you've fun. watched yeah. because you've watched Utah offensive defensive lines win beyond a shadow of a doubt, right? Yeah, convincing as convincing could be, because the nature of their program, they're probably not going to put up sixty. You know, with the more ball control and all that. But this, this this was freaking Whittingham's dream come true. <laughs> we ran it. You didn't. Yeah. And I got tough guy Cristobal over there. Yeah. And I out-toughed you. Yeah. A short, perfunctory post-game handshake that said, I will see you in two weeks. Yeah. When I was in, the, uh, when I was in high school, these two guys had a fight. I've told you this story. And I think we were freshmen, right? And, you know, you get a fight in high school and... Everybody gathers around, and it was right outside the gym. And the school was still being constructed. We were the first class to go there all four years, and we only had juniors, right? So there were still uh, areas that weren't done. And there was this area right outside the locker room, and it had a, a, uh, a sidewalk, and then it dropped off. They hadn't filled in, so it dropped off like a foot. So these guys were scuffling a little bit, and... The one guy fell, and it looked like he got punched and went down. But he actually fell, fell off. Fell off right. of the one foot, right? And he's on his back, and he reaches up to shake the guy's hand because he knew he'd been beat. And the guy above him is standing over him, and we're all there. And before <laughs> before shaking his hand, he said, I, I remember this. We're going back many, many years now, and I can quote it verbatim. Did I or did, did I, I not, not kick, kick your ass? ass. I've heard and this everybody busted up. And that's what I thought Kyle should have said to Cristobal on <laughs> Saturday night. <laughs> no, 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 because this is just halftime of a two-game set, which may or may not turn out to be true. Maybe Oregon State beats Oregon, and then that's the end of that. But, <laughs> but that was a total <laughs> Batunia kicking. They shake hands, and as Cristobal starts to leave, Kyle just holds on and pulls him back in. I got Get one on. question for you. Straight, straight out of the movies. <laughs> These are two tough guys, right? Cristobal fancies himself as a tough guy. Yeah, yeah. And, and Kyle does too, but I'm telling you, the guy's mush if you get to know him. 
He he really is, and and he 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 is. There's just no doubt about it. I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand, and I can't go into great detail, but I've seen it. Uh, but he does come off as tough guy with his program, uh, and they tough guy. They out tough guy them. Sure, Britton Covey. He's a nice, sensitive, seven effective habits of a f- great living, or whatever it's called. Uh, Se- <laughs> what? <laughs> My grandfather. I know that seven got habits the- of highly effective people, but I <laughs> liked your that version got the better. Shout out on the pun. Yeah. Covey's jogging out there for that punt. The broadcast team starts talking about his grandpa, yeah. the books, the cousins. You can name them all. I mean, the whole life story to set up the pun return. It was, it was good time. And then he flashes the O. Did you see that? I did not. Yeah, he did, did it. Did I? Was I the only one who saw it? He went the little O like this with the thumbs and the fingers, the index fingers together. Go back and look it up. Maybe I'm wrong. But I think he got a little trash. We know he flexed over the Sun Devil, dude. Oh, yeah. I call him Flex Cubby. <laughs> you should. <laughs> that. Even he is a little tough guy. Everybody's a tough guy there. They got that one little gal who takes the videos. She's tough. <laughs> Those two little gals, you always see them together. I don't know their names, but you go to the practices and you know, they're always together. And then they're on the sidelines together and they're, they're, they're real small gals. But they're tough. <laughs> Everybody in that program's tough. Okay, so does he do it while he's in the end zone? I think or he, is it on the way back to the sideline? He scores and he's running. And he holds the ball out and then they cut to the crowd. And that's uh, on this clip. I'll have to find a longer clip. It was like he was running from, he, he goes down the left side, so he's going down the east side, right? And then he turns his shoulders right and starts to run towards the goalpost a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and that's he, what he does it? I thought he did it. Maybe I'm wrong. But I thought it was a little mockage. Balls up. They cut to the crowd. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I, I thought I saw it. But hey, adrenaline's flowing. Why not? I get it. It was a f- such a phenomenal play. At that point, and this is the game for first place, a team to be on the playoff, and you didn't even need the second and half. You didn't even the third and fourth quarters. It was over. <laughs> it was. <laughs> when he ran into the end zone, the game ended. Yeah. It ended. Yeah. Oregon, you could have gotten home and gotten to bed earlier. You should have left. Don't need to play uh, the second, and we didn't need the final. What do they play? Fifteen minutes, the final thirty minutes. Forget that. This is, what a beatdown, man! Just got to get through it because those are the rules. What a beatdown! It was the finest moment, certainly since they've been in the Pac-12. Without a doubt, the Stanford that you had, but you needed. They were right down on the goal line, and they threw an incomplete pass at the end. Here, and, no. Come on. This was to beat a top five team to clinch the division. Yeah. National TV, primetime in the East, over the air, everybody for all the Pac-12 exposure issues. Nobody can see this league. I had all my Goombas back East texting me. Court. (laughs) (laughs) Did not. (laughs) I did too. Your Goombas back East. (laughs) Right away, everything after that's a lie. (laughs) It's just like, hey, my buddy who works for ESPN, Jason Reed, Uh you can look it up. uh, tweets at me, shut up. (laughs) 
Because I'm obviously complimenting I these guys out the yin yang. What I else are you going to do? I saw you had some fun with him, though. Yeah, I don't normally, I don't tweet a lot during the week, but I'll tweet during games because stuff will come into my mind. I think, oh, this is a stupid thing to say. Like I tweeted out, oh, man, it's going to be fun at church tomorrow. <laughs> DJ, if you did that, people are like, what? I already know that. Because, right, 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 you got right. your role, I got my role. I understand that. So I do stupid stuff. So you post a question on Facebook, and then I'll often, not always, but often if we need more reaction, I will uh, copy and paste it and put it over on my Twitter feed. We don't have a show Twitter feed. Right, because you've got thousands more followers than me, uh, as you should. Two or three. You're a Hall of Famer. Okay, thanks. I'm not. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm a freaking nobody over here. And when here. I do that... People are like, look at you stirring the pot. What I get an angry reaction from people. And I occasionally get people who are like, did your partner hijack you? And I'm like, well, yeah, kind of actually. Because <laughs> I just copy and pasted what he wrote Right, we night. got our roles. So I have fun with it. And I'm complimenting the Utes because that's all what I'm going to do, rip them. And I got a high-profile f- high ESPN guy tell me to shut up. Who you used to sit next to and take high school football scores at the Daily Breeze. Back in the day. Yeah, and he's an SC guy, and he was embarrassed earlier in the day. Oh, yeah, he didn't want to hear. He does not want to hear about the U's running the Pac-12 South. No, and they, they gave up 66, was it? Yeah. 62? What was it? Uh, it 62, was 62-33. Oh, yep. yeah. yeah. And DTR took him for six TDs and hurdled a guy and signed an autograph on a hat after another one. Legendary. I mean, they, were, they were just messing with him. I mean, yeah. they were just toying with him. So, yeah, my Goombas back east. That's just like I said. All right, DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Nick Ford, University of Utah offensive lineman, is going to join us coming up at 9 o'clock. Blake Anderson, Aggie football coach at 9.30, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is unripe. You guys are doing a hell of a job. What are the odds that Mark Harlan calls Kalani to just chat about things in the next couple years? Is that totally insane to think that Kalani would entertain a, a, a job offer from Utah, a place that he's pulled the paycheck down from before? Here's why I say yes, it's a possibility. Ooh. And I say yes because Kalani Sataki would be phenomenal at Utah. Oh, boy. I hate it even hearing that come he out would, of your mouth. Uh, well, he would. I mean, it sounded I mean, disgusting. How, how he would recruit and what he could bring to the program. That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Samson Nakua, BYU wide receiver. And he joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call 877-346-3333. Samson, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? I'm good. I, I'm wondering which of the uh, Jekyll and Hyde uh, Samson Nakua's I'm talking to. Am I, am I talking to the nice guy who you see after practice and he's making jokes about the length of his hair? Or I'm talking to that foul-mouthed bleep who's out there taunting people during games and can't wait for the plate in so he can start yakking again. Yeah, you know, it's an early morning, so you're getting a nice answer today. Uh, oh, good. Okay. Talk, I'll save it for the field. <laughs> the game was streamed, so a lot of people didn't get to see it. 
But Samson, <laughs> they got under your skin or you got under yours because every time they took a shot of you, you and some dude, and it was different dudes for their team, were barking at each other. And when you finally bait one of them into a 15-yard penalty, and I saw you got up, get up, you knew you did it. It was like your goal, your mission at that point was to get 15 yards on that guy. And your brother jumps him and wrecks the thing, and it's offsetting penalties. What did you tell your brother? Oh, my goodness. I was going to slap him in the back of the head. I was like, bro, what do you do? And I was like, coach, it doesn't say calm and collected. I was calm and collected. I was ready to get the guy and Puka came and saved my butt a little bit. The little big bro just watching out for me, thankfully. <laughs> but it was all good, you know. Uh, I think we went down and scored on the drive, so, you know, it was okay for him to do that. <laughs> I wasn't too mad for that. We saw your brother got a little banged up. How's he feeling today? Oh, he's a little soft. He's fine. <laughs> he's just being soft. I, I I went to the tent after and I slapped him. I was like, hey, stop being soft. I was like, not in the South. I was like, everyone's already on our heads right now. So I was like, we can't be soft. And thankfully he got up and came back into the game. <laughs> but he's okay. So was there a brief moment there? Was it Because your brother scored on the first play of the second quarter. It's 14-3. And then they take over. Touchdown. They stop you on downs. They get another score. And I'm sure there were some... Cougar fans having Coastal Carolina flashbacks. But you guys, from the moment they took the lead, you dominated the rest of the game. So uh, what happened for yeah. 10 minutes there? you guys just lose focus? Um, I think we just started off a bit slow. Um, I think with the offense, we were just moving a bit slowly. Same with the defense. Everyone just had to adjust, um, get a feel for the for the team and what they were doing, and uh, then just get rolling with what we had schemed up. Um pass into the end zone that he should have caught. I should have put us up even. We should have been up 14-3, I think. Um, but it was just everyone just coming out a little slow, but um, everyone was able to just stay with their heads on and just keep working and uh, just came out on top. <laughs> with your experience at the University of Utah for many years, are you going to tell these boys what it's like to go into the L.A. Coliseum and play the USC Trojans? I tell them, but, you know, with uh, being here, at BYU, it's a little different. It's a home game everywhere we go. And uh, the last couple of times I've been to the Coliseum, it has been rowdy. But it being BYU, I think it's going to be a home home advantage for us. So it's going to be an interesting change of uh, things with uh, with going up there. But um, it's going to be a good game no matter what their record is and how they're playing. Um, USC is always a really good team. So it's going to be a battle no matter what. Well, Samson, now with name, image, and likeness money, you're actually paid to say stuff like that. But USC is four and six, and they've lost four of the last five games. And UCLA just beat them sixty-two to thirty-three. So I think the Cougar fans sitting in the car right now, shaking their heads, saying, "Samson, come on!" <laughs> oh, for sure. But um, shoot, we've all, everyone looks throughout our season. We could definitely be uh, what ten and one. Yeah. Um, and so we've always had our fair shares of not showing up to games, so um, anything anything can happen in this game of football. Um, any team can show up and uh, honestly swing things a different way than people uh, would assume they are going. So, um, And it's Pac-12 football. USC has always been top dog no matter what, and there's still pretty points up on the board, so it's going to be a battle no matter what, and it's going to be a fun game. Yeah. Down in the Coliseum. You look at it, uh, Utah State, senior night, first place on the line, playing last place Wyoming, and Wyoming drills them. So certainly SC is capable of doing that. I, w- I would think that that's going to be the message. And 
because of the fact of last game and all that stuff, there shouldn't be any lack of attention or focus going into this game. Exactly. It's their senior night probably, too, for them. So, you know, they're trying to make a statement for their seniors, trying to send them out with some love. So I think it's a senior night round three for us. So we're about to go turn up down in the Coliseum. So we just got to come out ready, do our thing, focus, really focus in practice this week and uh, not not let things slip away from us and just come out ready to hop. Um, ready to play and uh, punch him in the mouth. Twenty-one zip. Hopefully, we can start it off how we've been starting a couple games. Uh, you're an old guy, so I can't imagine you knew any of the eighth graders uh, when you were a senior. But are there guys on your team who know Jackson Dart? Obviously, a local guy, quarterback in USC now. Um, I think there are a couple guys that uh, played with him. Um, some of our walk-ons played with him uh, over at Corner Canyon, right? Yeah. Yeah, Corn Canyon. I, I remember I played with one of my teammates over at uh, the U, Van, Van Fillinger. Um, he played with uh, yeah, Dart a little bit, too. Um, the the kid's good. Obviously, he got the starting job over there, and he's been making it work for his first year. Um, he still has a couple, a uh, lot to adjust to, but he's not a bad quarterback at all. He He's going to do good. He's going to show up with the team, and so we just got to come out and play our game. Um, I think that's the biggest thing is just being locked in for – whatever they throw at us and just stick to our schemes. You've mentioned now, you've been on with us this entire season several times about these away games and the amount of fans that BYU has had. And you've said that, you know, it's like a home game and you've gone out of your way to mention it. So were you surprised? Have you been surprised? Is this something you expected when you went out on the road? No, total, total surprise. Um, I definitely understood that, you know, the church is everywhere. We, had missionaries all over the world, across the states, um, but I didn't know how much love we really hold and how many fans we really have and people will, like look up to BYU football and just BYU athletics, so um, it's been honestly so fun being able to go to any away game and see more than half the stadium, or at least half the stadium, our fans cheering us on here in BYU chant. BYU chant in Georgia was unreal, going to Baylor hearing BYU chants, it was unreal. And um, I believe going to L.A., it's going to be the same thing. And um, it's just going to be – it's been amazing to for it to be a home game everywhere we go. I've never experienced anything like it. And it's, just, it's been all love. You know, it'll be interesting. Uh, I don't know that it'll be like everywhere else you've gone. I, I think it could be even more intense because there are – so you, drive, you draw a two- or three-hour circle around the L.A. Coliseum – and there are a lot of people who are BYU fans, and that doesn't count the people who want to leave colder weather for warmer weather here and are planning to go down on a holiday weekend. I, I don't know. I guess Vegas in the opener, I, I think I think it'll be that, and it, it might be a little bigger even. I think so, too. Coliseum people, it's going to be – I think it's going to go crazy, too. I believe so, and I'm, I'm excited for it because I remember going out to Vegas, and I was not expecting that in Vegas, and – I can only imagine now people want to come see this game because everyone knows it's going to be a battle. No matter USC's record, it's going to be a good battle and it's going to be fun to watch both teams perform out there. So what would 5-0 and in the Pac-12 play mean to the guys at BYU? Because that's what you're shooting for. Shoot. Um, I think that will mean a lot for them in uh, the upcoming years and uh, and wherever, wherever it takes them in the Big 12 or and uh, upcoming schedules, it just gives them more confidence to show them that, hey, man, if you believe in this team and you believe in your coaches, 
and you just work hard and uh, stick to the schemes that any you can make it work no matter where you're at. No matter if you thought any team was a power five, they were better than BYU always. Like, hey, we we had the hardest schedule BYU's had in probably like 20 years, I think. And we can end out at 10 and two. We could have had a better season, but 10 and two shows we can rock with anyone and play with anyone in the nation. And um, hopefully, it just gives the guys confidence for the upcoming years. Samson Nakua joining us, BYU wide receiver. Uh, as the season kind of, uh, you know, you tick down on the number of games here, does the end of the year sneak up on you? Do you feel like an old guy? Do you get a little misty-eyed once in a while? I do. I do get – I feel a little old, obviously. Uh, talking to these young guys, give them some knowledge that I've got over the years, and I'm looking back and like, dang, I never thought I'd be in this position to – be able to just give back knowledge. Um, I just always thought I'd always just be learning myself and just keep trying to improve myself and never thinking about others and teaching and helping others. But it's been such a long ride and it's crazy. It's trying not to cry about it, <laughs> but yeah, it's been crazy. I've been loving it, especially coming back down to BYU. All the love down here and everything about down here has been amazing. You talk about how you still like Utah and you still have a connection to them. Has this sort of been the best of both for you because you're winning at a high level, you beat Utah, and now it looks like Utah has got a realistic back shot to go to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Those exactly. guys back up in the Pac-12 over there. Those are my dogs. <laughs> go over there whooping, whooping Oregon's butt, huh? Yeah. Gunking them. They should have passed the controls early right before halftime. Oregon should have stepped onto the plane. <laughs> Shoot, those are my dogs right there. <laughs> They've been killing. I went to Sunday yesterday. I went to go visit some of them. I leave and go just go get some breakfast with them and eat and catch up. Um, it was really cool, honestly, to see them doing really good and um, having a having a hard year losing one of our teammates. And uh, but then you know just picking it up and uh, just fighting. And it's been it's been awesome to see them doing their thing right now. I mean, we see it, but you played there and you know the guys. What what is the emotion? I mean, I don't even know you can put it into words. When Covey steps out of the last tackle and he's at the 20 and everybody knows he's going into the end zone with zeros on the clock. If they push him out of bounds at the 25, it's all for show, oh. but it doesn't matter. But he steps yeah. out of there. It just looked like bedlam. Man, it was wonderful. I was jumping, cheering on the plane because that's when everyone's seen it. Um, and it was all up from the whole plane, actually. Everyone was going crazy for Covey. <laughs> everyone loves Covey. Everyone knows Covey. The hometown hero from Provo and Salt Lake just killed it. And, uh, he's been a hero to everyone in Utah. Honestly, Cub has been doing his thing for a lot of years now out here in college. But he's been uh, he's been a great mentor for everyone, and it's just it's really cool to see him keep doing his thing. Yeah, for sure. It's been some talk of Kalani. You know, has put together two very good seasons, obviously, and he's drawn some interest potentially for some other programs because this time of year, every year, there's always a bunch of openings. There's already three in the Pac-12. There might be more and all that stuff. Uh, What would you say to the administration as far as them making more of a financial commitment to the program to make sure Kalani stays? Um, It would be in their best interest to keep the man. Um, Me and my brother played at different programs and we loved it there and we we're dedicated and loved everything about our programs, but um, just coming back down here it was a different vibe. Um, the love, the friendship that we have with not just the team but our coaches, and it doesn't even feel like it's a coach and player bond. It just feels like we're friends and that we can talk to each other about anything, whether it be football or life. 
um, everyone's just able to talk and just lay, lay it all on the table. And um, they got to keep a man like that. Um, not only does he change it on the field, but he changes our lives off. And um, after our losses, we didn't even talk about the loss in the game. He just told us to go smile and go hug our families and tell them how much we love them and tell them how thankful we are for them for coming out and um, try to show gratitude for our family. And uh, I don't know, it, it's, a, it's a lot bigger than uh, football around here. And um, it just means a lot more to players, I think, and um, to myself for sure. And they got to keep a man like that because he just makes a bigger impact than people know. So when you look around the country, you see fan bases that think they win because of the letters on the on the chest or the logo on the helmet. And there is a certain entitlement that comes with that. And mm-hmm. I know it's an Alabama and Ohio State thing, but it is much bigger than that and much more pervasive than that. Can you explain to people how much the people matter the logo stays the same, but the people change, and how different it is based on the people who are running the show. Oh, it's very different. Um, shoot, uh, Utah is the same way up there, um, dedicated by the logos. Um, we grind up there. Uh, Utah, we respect the process to a T. Like, it's a grind just like Ohio State, like Alabama. I think Utah's grind is just like theirs. I don't doubt it one bit. And um, you're always going to get players that are dedicated to the game and uh, – will never disrespect this process. You know, they're, they're willing to die for it. Um, and um, sometimes it almost feels like it's just, how can I explain it? Sometimes at those programs, it almost feels like it's almost like a military base. You know, we do what we're told and commanded. And um, you do it because you love the team and you love the coaches and you respect and you want to do it and you want to make it to where you want to get in this life, so you do it. And, um, but when you have someone that's just there and shows you that there's just more to it, that he wants you to respect his process and grind and love it. And I don't, it's a hard, I don't really know how to, it's very hard to explain, but there's just something that down here shows that there's just more than football that we can teach and grow to be better young men in our lives and helping with our families because this game translates so much more to our regular lives. And um, sometimes over at other schools, it feels like it's just straight football. And uh, sometimes they forget about our, that we're actually human beings, that we're young teenagers in this, in this world, making mistakes, trying to learn and grow up without our parents here. We're miles and miles away from our families, trying to do it on our own. Of course, we're going to make mistakes, but sometimes coaches forget that we're kids and they, I don't know, it's just a lot. And uh, this program's good. They take care of you and um, they love you and uh, help you grow so much in every way possible. And it's just beautiful down here. Well, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, Samson. And uh, good luck at USC. Thank you guys so much. You guys have a wonderful day. Samson Nakua, BYU wide receiver, headed to the Coliseum for game number 12. The 9-2 Cougars trying to hit double digits and wins back-to-back seasons. Fantastic. <clears throat> Fantastic season if you get that. I mean, they've had a pretty good season either way. 9-3 and three is nothing to sneeze at. But to go 5-zip and zip in the Conference of Champions. Wasn't even on our radar no. at the start of the year. Are you kidding me? Yogi Roth, when he yeah. brought up that, what was the number? Was it they can't go 3-2 and two or they can't go 2-3? and three? Can't go 3-2. Three 3-2, and, two. Three and two. Yeah. yeah. And now just trying to salvage a win and nobody really thinks that's going to happen. I 
yeah, I think you're underestimating SC, though. Uh, they've got the potential. I don't underestimate that at all. But they've lost four out of five. Well, they suck defensively, but you get a couple of turnovers or you commit a couple of turnovers, you get loose with the ball. Their offense is pretty good. Their offense will score. Yeah. Yes. Even with the loss of the best receiver. They scored, 30, in a, in they scored a, 33 points yeah. against UCLA, and I know the pressure was off once the game opened up. But nonetheless, they are clearly capable of doing that. Right. So I don't think it's a walk in a park. Uh, I, I think it's going to be more like a little bit, uh, well, all, all uh, trying to recall, Arizona... They kind of had that comfortably tension just a little bit. But the other ones have you know, been pretty close games. Coming up next, Bryn Covey. You were wondering if he flashed the O in the end zone, and uh, I got people sending me still shots now. Apparently, there is a question. He did something that looked like that. You did not imagine it. Okay. Now, what exactly <laughs> was he doing? Was he flashing the O? There's one other possible explanation. We will get to that Next, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Nick Ford at 9 o'clock might be able to answer the question. Maybe Britton told him. We'll ask Nick, too. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The new Zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10. Followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6. Live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. And now, really? your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. And he's going to try to return it. Long line drive punt by Snee. Covey! Covey! Highly effective punt return for a touchdown! <laughs> that is obviously the Chevy Strong play of the game right there. Know it today at 4.50 and during Unrivaled, the guys will call for it and you'll have a chance to win fabulous prizes. Covey. Covey! Covey! It's all tone. <laughs> I know. Covey, Covey. It's, it's all tone. That's awesome. He's such a great kid. So the question was, uh, what did he flash there in the end zone? And uh, I got sent this. It's off the Utah Man 2014 account. And it's Covey in the end zone. He's got his teammates behind him. And the hands are above his head. Is he making an O or is he making a heart, Mark asks. Oh, I hope he's making an O. <laughs> None of this sticking up for fallen teammates. Mushy moment. You want to get him a, yeah, get in it's Oregon. Oregon. I hate Oregon. <laughs> get in Oregon's face and yeah, rub it in. Yes, precisely. That's where I come from. That's no surprise to no one. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I will uh, I'll retweet this photo. You can all look at it and this will be like the Zapruder film. Everybody will be going over it. I don't want the it. heart thing. <laughs> well, it is hard to I got to say in this moment it's hard to I see want what the, it is. Oh, man. <laughs> Please be the O. Be the O. <laughs> yeah. Why not? That would be awesome. Yeah. Why not? Because it's not the classy thing to do to Oh, it, it was Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> 
It'd only be no, you'd only be they happier. They disrespected you you'd... by punting to you. What a sign of disrespect! They didn't believe that little five-two munchkin could get the ball and take it all the way in. So they punted to him. Okay. I'll show you, you gonna... dumb, you know what? So Britain just said there. I looked at the north end zone, right? Yeah. And so there's video out there, that. I saw and I'll it. find yeah. it during the break and retweet it if you didn't see it. But the cameras get him, and I he seen didn't it. have the palms up with a "What's up?" You right. Think kicking me or you think they're kicking it out of bounds because right. you and I both know I want to take this all the way back that's a sign of disrespect Jimmy Lake was right he sucked as a coach but to get into Oregon you're stupid <laughs> <laughs> way to mix and match you're a real gift I'm just saying what Jimmy Lake said I know you are but it was still. I never looked at the recruits transcripts Jimmy Lake knows what he's talking about there and they were dumb enough to punt to the guy what kind of disrespect is that all you had to do was punt it outside or take a knee and give up a field goal that's you're you're coming ahead four (laughs) points but no they chose there was only one thing that could happen that would hurt Oregon in that situation is by him returning the punt for six if he steps out at the one it's like taking a knee Right? There was no time there left. Was. No, if they if they'd shoved him out of bounds and I thought they were going to, I thought they had a chance, and then somehow he bursts out See, of the pack. See, you're such a nice guy and I'm an SOB <laughs> that you didn't even think that that was a sign of disrespect. As soon as I saw where that ball was going, is that's disrespect to my guy. I'm not gonna tolerate that. I didn't tolerate that, let alone Whittingham. He didn't tolerate that. What are you thinking, you dumb bleep, Cristobal? Yeah, you're getting all this run. You're going to be coaching like four different programs over here. I'm he's way already, better than you. He's already been linked to Florida. Yeah. Mullen just got fired yesterday. Right. Cristobal's <laughs> name went right to the top of the list. Right. Oh, Cristobal, he'd be great. Yeah. All I did was kick the crap out of you. Saban, you're something. I kicked the crap out of you. I got to say, it was just a little too Hollywoodish. I really didn't think they were going to run it back. I thought there was a better chance of a mistake. You know, a high snap or something, or a low snap back there. Or maybe it's a so, huge a block so, in the back. It's so Hollywood. <laughs> it's just like, and then the littlest guy in the field runs it back for a touchdown as the clock hits zero. Oh, stop it. That's why I don't want to go see half your sports Right. Movies. They carried him off. They should have carried him <laughs> into the, into the uh, locker room. Covey! 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 <laughs> nice. Yuck, he says he's not a Hall of Famer, but is this guy not a Hall of Famer? Yep. The Jimmy Lake take, that was brilliant. You that would have been sweet. These Straight are Hall of Famers in my book. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK coming up next. Nick Ford, and we'll get this. Uh, we'll get this photo out there so you can check it out and uh, and the video if you didn't see it. DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven five at twelve eighty the zone. DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. Nick Ford, Utah offensive lineman, joining us now on the Smart Rain guest line. Best State Award winner Smart Rain has an incredible Black Friday offer running for the entire month of November. Smart Rain is giving free controllers along with a free Apple iPad to commercial properties who sign up with a paid cellular hosting subscription. Please visit SmartRain.net or call eight seven seven three four six thirty three thirty three. Nick, good morning. Good morning. Does it get much better than that, Nick? Uh, well, yes, that's tough, man. Any level of surprise to the the total annihilation? Because I got to admit, I expected you to win, but not like that. Um, yes and no. I say I think our preparation throughout the week determined 
the outcome of the game, along with um, you know just the overall atmosphere and how we took advantage of it. Um, we knew we had the opportunity to do as we did, and um, everyone bought in 100, percent and we did so. So I am curious on the uh, on the play of the game. There, are you standing up on the sideline and 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 Covey whooshes by you, and you get all the adrenaline, and all that, or your big tired offensive lineman beating on three hundred people, and you're sitting down on the bench, and your teammates block you from the whole thing, and you watch it on the scoreboard? Uh, no, I was, I was up, I was ready to go because we were about to go on the field and you know take a shot if we had to before half. We knew we wanted to score before the half again. Um, so, you know, when it happened, I was like, oh my God, this can't be real. Cause it was funny because I had, I had talked to Covey at about like eight o'clock in the morning that day. And I was like, Covey, I feel like you're going to have an okay day on offense. He's like, oh, thanks. What's that supposed to mean? I was like, for some reason, I have a feeling like you're going to get one today on special teams. Like, it's been a minute and like, I don't know. I think you're going to get one today. He's like, all right, let's, let's do it. So then right after he scored, I was like, Covey, what I what I tell you, bro? He was like, I know, I know. And it was it was awesome. <laughs> it certainly was, yeah. Maybe the highlight play of the season. Is speaking oh, sure. of speaking of the season, we had heard earlier rumblings, oh, Coach Whittingham, he's burned out, doesn't have enough energy, blah, blah, blah. This may be his last year. And then he goes on on the field, does the interview with the the T V network. I said, This is the most fun he's had coaching. And you've been in the program for a number of years and experienced a lot of highs, a couple of lows. Have you noticed any difference with Coach Whittingham as far as what he's doing this year as opposed to other other years? Oh, no, not at all. I mean, you, you could tell definitely at the start of the year that, you know, he was tired as long as uh, it just arrived along with all of us. And I don't think it's from coaching. I think it's from all we have been through um, with Ty and Alo. And, um, then, you know, he kind of regained that spark back in him. And um, I don't think he's ever been tired of coaching. I just I just think he had a hard time, difficult time with uh, tying Alo because, you know, he, he's a, a player's coach and he cares a lot. And, you know, it hit him where it shouldn't have hit him. And, um, you know, I think he struggled with that. Um, and that's more so off the field. That's not even on the field. But, uh, you know, when it came to, you know, at practice, even after that stuff happened in the weight room and, and meeting rooms, you know, he is, he's the same exact guy, same exact energy. I'd say even more so. He's he's having a lot of fun this year. So uh, we are curious, and, and since uh, you're going back and forth Britain uh, on game days, maybe you heard after the game. So he goes into the end zone. The hands go above the head. Was he? Uh, was that a heart remembering the two teammates, or was that an O getting in Oregon's face? Mm. Say, say again. He he takes his he scores and he puts his hands over his head and he puts his hands together and he oh, might have been making a heart to remember the two teammates. He might have been making an O, just rubbing it into Oregon. Um, I think it was a heart. Um. I'm not sure what it was for. Maybe it was for Ty. Maybe it was for, um, you know, he's doing a lot of advocation for, you know, suicide prevention. Um, it could be either or. And uh, I think that's more something that, you know, you got to ask Covey to find find out, uh, you know, what, what his overall intention was on that. So you talk about how you had the great week of practice and the focus and all that, and you got a huge game coming up in two weeks, but you got Colorado this week. 
What are you going to do as you as a team leader making sure that the focus is at hand, worry about next week when it comes? Well, I mean, you said it yourself. We have a huge game in two weeks, and we have Colorado right now. And, you know, what am I going to do to make sure we focus now? And that's that's basically it is, you know, that we understand that's in two weeks. And, um, you know, we've got a game in Colorado this uh, Friday. It's going to be a lot of people's last time playing in that stadium. So we need to make sure that everyone gets out of there the right way. And, you know, we have an undefeated record at home. So Kyle always says, and he actually said it in the postgame after Oregon, we got to send guys out the right way. He says it every year. We would be shocked if he didn't say it. We've heard him say it. But how much does that really resonate with the guys and how much do guys who are playing for the last time mention that with teammates about wanting to win their last game at Rice-Eccles? Uh, it means a lot. It's something you know, that we harp on and something that you know we've done for multiple years. And um, I think, you know, when you're new in the program, you kind of buy into it, you see it, and, you know, you love it. And you get out to the game and you realize, like, yeah, like, I got to you know, do this for the seniors. And, uh, you, you realize that throughout the week as when you're young. And I'd say that it takes more effect on people as you're just older throughout the program because you realize that is. It is, you know, in all seriousness what Coach Witt means because he's a player's coach and everything. And, I mean, yeah, that's, like, even an understanding that because, you know, we had our team meeting and he was like, I want a list from every single person on where they're going on Thanksgiving and what they're doing. I don't want anyone to eat alone. And, you know, I think that just goes to show, you know, how much he actually cares about, you know, how we feel and what kind of player we are and what kind of person we are. It's more uh, – more, you know, a caring factor than anything. This is going to be your last game in Rice Eccles Stadium. Oh, we will see. We will see. <laughs> You're so coy, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> so, how satisfying was it, uh, given the way things went for the offensive line early in the year, and at times the way it went for the defensive line? Both BYU and Oregon State really pushed the D line around. How satisfying was it to have a game against a highly ranked team that you know can run the ball and to win that battle decisively, both on the offensive and defensive side of the? Um, it's awesome, you know. Um, there's you know there's a lot of uh, mixed emotions people had about us, and um, you know we um, we understood that we were capable even when you know we hit that that wall. Um, way back when we understood, you know, what we could do, and uh, we figured out how to do it. Um, you know, we should have figured out way earlier how to do it, but game time scenario is very different. And um, you know, we're just going to continue to improve because you know all the hay is not in the barn for sure. So we got to sit there and see, you know, how can we get 22% better? How can we improve on this and that? Because there's still mistakes. We're playing at a high level, but there's still, you know small mistakes that people don't realize and we're always going to strive to be perfect and um, I think the the best thing about this is a lot of uh, the guys especially in our room the O-line room um, realize that a lot of people you know I counted us out earlier in the year and you know we always talk about working in the dark and you know staying within the room and that's what we're going to continue to do you know we're not going to start looking out and seeing what people are saying and see, you know, if people like us, don't like us. It's always just going to be my brothers in that room, that 15, 20 guys, and, you know, ultimately the five to maybe six or seven that play. 
I've been involved in the foster care system for about a decade now, so I think i got a pretty good handle on what's going on. And you're going to be, you've been involved in it, and you've got something coming up to help out the system. Can you explain what it's all about and why you're doing it? Yeah. So, I mean, um, everyone really knows about Sunday Supper. It happened a while ago. And um, it's a way to get athletes, you know, together and um, make sure that, you know, we're taking care of our community. I uh, started off, uh, I'd say, kind of small, not really. Um, and it was me and then Corner uh, Canyon High School. And um, I, I cooked. They came over. They packed it. We all hung out. And, you know, we started handing it out to, um, you know, foster care families to show them we appreciate them and everything they do for the kids. And, you know, we understand that it's hard and sometimes they want to relax. So we cooked a meal for them. And um, so that was the first one. The second one. Um, I had a couple of players want to join me, so I brought Solo, Solomon Enos along, and Corner Canyon was there again. And um, it was a little bit bigger, and we uh, went to a park, down the Draper, I believe, and um, handed out some food, uh, again, same stipulations. Um, and then, you know, we wound up playing a couple games with the foster kids and whatnot. And uh, this was all, well, the first one was prior to uh, playing the Cougs, and, um, my guy Lorenzo, um, that's my guy. Um, we had been mutual friends. Um, we wore the same number. Uh, we went against each other, and uh, you know we've talked on and off the field. And, and he uh, saw everything I was doing and come BYU game. Uh, he came up to me pregame. We were talking. Everyone in the stadium was looking at us like we we're you know crazy as heck because like why are you guys talking right now? So, uh, you know, he, he loves what I do in the community. And I said, hey, man, like, I appreciate it, bro. And it's, it's a community thing. So, are you trying to join? Like, get your boys, my boys going and, you know, make it something big, make something that last. And it's like, oh, I'm game. Because, he, you know, he always wanted to work with foster care as well. So, we decided that, you know, our next one, um, we're going to see, you know, who all wants to, you know, hop in and, um, you know, make, make something great happen. So, uh, you know, we're going to find a facility right now. Um, we're pretty sure we have a facility. We're still, we're still looking if anyone hears and is interested. Um, but essentially, it's going to be a ton of uh, Utah football players, and it's going to be a ton of uh, BYU football players. And um, I talked to Coach Witt, and he's most likely going, and they're going to talk to their head coach, and he's most likely going. And um, we're just all going to go down there, and it's going to be the same concept. We're going to go over to Cultivate Kitchen, cook a meal, so that way, you know, the foster parents don't have to cook, they don't have to worry, and also they get a great meal, the kids get a great meal, you know, it's just good food for good people, and um, we also, you know, are hoping for that facility, so now that way, with everyone being vaccinated and the masks and everything, that, you know, you're going to be able to hang out and see people, right, so you're going to be able to see, um, you know, me or Lorenzo or Covey, Cam Rising, maybe um, you know, a couple other BYU cats over there out in Tulsa. Um, and, um, you know, just hang out, Coach Witt, their head coach. Um, and um, that's that's mainly what it is, just bringing people together um, and realizing, you know, we may be rivals on the field. And a lot of, a lot of uh, players know this. We may be rivals on the field. But there's a lot of people who are friends on each team and, um, even are related and stuff like that. And I mean, even, you know, our two head coaches are friends, um, but it's different come to game day. And, um, you know, 
that aspect is awesome and we all get it and we want to make sure that you know the community sees that aspect and we can get the community to do the same thing and realize you know there's a good rivalry out here for sure but you know if utah county and salt lake city county and we all team up together we could really 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 do something special for the state and continue to do so and that's when i came up with that idea going purple for state because red utes and blue coos make up purple which is the utah fox care symbol so um you know that's what we plan on doing and that's going to be december 12th we have donation box or people want to offer their time um and yeah that's basically what it is just making sure good people get good food and they have a good experience get to hang out and we bring awareness of something you know that needs to be brought aware you talk about the uh some of the friendships uh on both sides of the rivalry here, it probably wouldn't surprise you to know Samson Nakua was on the show earlier saying the BYU plane erupted when uh, when Covey took the punt back because there's so many bonds between so many players on both teams. And Covey obviously went to Timview High, not you know not far from the BYU campus. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean I don't I don't doubt that at all for sure. Um, like earlier, earlier in the season, and other times, you know, when I watch them play, I mean, I'd be going crazy for Samson. Like, especially like when we played on the field that day, I was like, I had so many mixed emotions when he was catching that touchdown. I was like, man, I, I should go over there, smack you, but give you a hug. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, that didn't surprise me at all. I mean, I know Covey has a bunch of great relationships down there, and uh, it's because Covey's a great guy and. Um, you know, that that's what that program is, too. That program, you know, although we're very, very big rivals, they're full of great people. It's 100%, no no question about it. You cannot question their integrity. And I'm pretty sure they would say the same thing about us. And, um, you know, it just shows through football that, you know, football is big to life, but it's not everything. So we need to make sure that we keep those relationships going and build and help our communities. Well, Nick, we appreciate the time. Good luck with the event on the 12th. Good luck with the Buffs on Friday. Thank you. Appreciate it. Nick Ford, Utah offensive lineman. Join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up, Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach. There was a lot of winning this weekend. College football, college basketball, the Jazz. But the Aggies, they had the painful loss. And we will talk with Blake about that and about bouncing back and still having a chance to win the Mountain West Conference title. Blake Anderson coming up next. Stay with us. This is Unripe. You guys are doing a hell of a job. What are the odds that Mark Harlan calls Kalani to just chat about things in the next couple of years? Is that totally insane to think that Kalani would entertain a, a, a job offer from Utah, a place that he's pulled the paycheck down from before? Here's why I say yes, it's a possibility. Ooh. And I say yes because Kalani Sataki would be phenomenal at Utah. Oh, boy. I hate it even hearing that come he out would, of your mouth. Uh, what he would. I mean, it sounded I mean, disgusting. How, how he would recruit and what he could bring to the program. That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran. Weekdays. From 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're scheduled to talk with Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach, in a couple of minutes here. We do have time to bring you up to date. 9 a.m. Slacker Radio headlines brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Home to the award-winning line of America's Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for the $59 Furnace Tune-Up Special. Or visit them online at leesheatac.com. 
things we have discussed today. The mystery deepens, PK. What was Britton Covey doing? <laughs> Making the heart. The circle. Uh, it's it out there on hard. social media. You brought it up. Nick Ford can't answer. He says, we got to talk to Britton. Oh. Uh, I think, you know, of course, I think immediately evil. <laughs> which I thought was awesome. I don't think people around here might think it's evil, but T- TV people may think it, but I thought it was sweet. Make the swoosh. But maybe it was just the heart. Yeah. That's fine, too. All right, we'll get to more of the stuff we've been discussing in this show a little later, but right now it's time to welcome in Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach. Coach, good morning. Good morning, guys. Well, Coach, the first quarter, you come back to tie that game up a couple times, and I think we all thought, well, we've seen the Aggies. This is how they start, but then it gets away. Where where and how and why did it all go horribly wrong? Uh, you know, I was – really concerned about the game all week, just the sheer size and kind of power uh, of what the way they're built. That's been a concern all year. We've survived it a little bit. But if you, you kind of think back to our season has gone, it has exposed just where we need to develop a little bit. And, and so you could tell early that was going to be a concern. But, you know, you can't give up a kickoff return. We kicked a ball that just came out bad ended up in the middle of the field, and we didn't cover it well. We, we snap a ball over the holder's head. We haven't done that all year. And I, I think when they popped the 98-yarder off the goal line, it just you could just see uh, you could see a look on our sideline that really hadn't seen. We didn't, didn't force them to punt again the rest of the game, really struggled to get the ball moving. Um, they've got one of the best defenses in the league, and we knew that going in. It felt like it was going to be a struggle. I mean, they helped Fresno to – 17 points who was leading the league at the time offensively may still be leading the league so you knew what they're capable of um it, it just too many mistakes to keep it close and then physically just got outmatched late in, in a very powerful kind of old school type of game and we're just not quite built like that yet that's something we're really gonna have to work on in recruiting in, in the offseason so I felt listening to you and you already just alluded it but listening to you during the week that started with us a week ago you probably had as much fear about this game as any game you had, and I don't want to say you're prophetic, but you turned out to be right. Yeah, I just I know how we're built right now, and I know how we're not built. I mean, it's it's the and it plays in our favor. I mean, a week ago against San Jose State, our speed and quickness obviously dominated the game, and we felt like we had the same thing out in space against Hawaii. It allowed us to do some things uh, against teams this year. But when you look at just where we struggled to stop BYU, where we struggled at times to stop Boise, how we struggled even in games against you know Colorado State at times. UNLV was was a struggle at times. You just knew going into the way they were built and what they're willing to do and how they want the game to go that everything was going to have to work perfectly for us. And even our matchups, when you loaded the box, big, long, physical wideouts – against, you know, we're quick and fast, but we're not real big outside on the edges, and they won every 50-50 ball for the day. I just knew it had to go. We had to have everything hit and click perfectly for us to to have the kind of game we wanted, and we just didn't get that. We played hard, but we did not play well. We made some very, very big mistakes and key moments, and they didn't. You know, they made the plays they needed with the exception of the one interception, which was a great play by Zach Bond. They really didn't make any mistakes all day long. New Mexico started uh, 2-0, and and now they have lost 8 out of 9. But the win was over Wyoming, which yeah. makes no sense to me, but nonetheless, that's the way it is. 
Well, Rocky Long is the best defensive mind in football, in my opinion. Has been for a long time. He gets more out of less than anybody I've ever seen. I worked for him and have obviously followed his career. Danny Gonzalez is right there and learned from him since he was born, pretty much. And they just, they, I mean, they stole him. They held Wyoming to three points in 200 yards offense. So we, uh, we know there's going to be a, you know, it's going to be chaos. People coming from the rafters. They got people coming from everywhere on, on any given down. They've gone straight triple option uh, over the last half of the season due to some injuries and I think really just their inefficiency early offensively. I know I talk to Danny all the time. We're, we're, we're on staff together and close. And I know that week before going to Wyoming, they just decided we're going straight triple. We're going to manage the game and play play defense. And it's they have not won uh, any games except for that one. But it completely changed their ability to be competitive. Uh, and they have uh, they have been in some games now. You know, we're going to have to decipher what Rocky's doing defensively and try to score some points and then be assignments out on defense and, and, and stop the triple option. So uh, it'll, it'll, be, uh, it'll be a challenge, and it's, it's on the road. And big, probably the biggest challenge is get this one out of our head. A lot of riding on it. We clearly wanted to control our own destiny. We don't have that option anymore. But we got to go control us and play our best ball on, Saturday, you know, on Friday in Albuquerque, which is always a challenge. So it wouldn't be an interview with you unless we uh, asked you how Logan Bonner's feeling this week. <laughs> he feels like uh, a dude that got hit a lot. Uh, he's sore, beat up, but but he's fine. I mean, that's the nature of uh, the business. And he uh, he he finished. You know, we we did hold him out the last few minutes of the game just because it felt like he'd been hit enough, and the game was obviously out of reach. But he was in here yesterday and doing treatment like he always is. And, He'll be ready to go. Tough sucker. He'll be ready to go, and Peasley will be ready to go if, if, if he's needed. So this is something every coach in every sport at every level says. High school, college pro Jerry Sloan, the late jazz coach, used to say, don't play backwards. We knew exactly what he meant. You don't let one defeat spin into another. And you said the biggest challenge is to get that game out of the players' minds as you prepare for New Mexico. So how do you do that? What do you, what do, you do? You know, today's meeting typically – uh, has been, you know, we, we meet today at, at, at 1.30 with, with positions and, and offense, defense, and again as a team at 5. And I'll do my very best at 5 o'clock to set the stage to move forward. You know, we're going to dissect the, the mistakes and teeth like we always do, but uh, I've got to do my best job of standing in front of them and setting the scene for um, that there's still a ton to play for. I mean, we, we get a win and San Diego State wins, we still play for a title. There's five teams in our league right now that have a shot at the title game and and everybody needs to win to get it done so we're no different we're lucky to be in that position we earned that opportunity uh so i just got to focus on them on on moving forward and that's not easy but hopefully we're mature enough to do that uh, because i know the worst thing we can do is see san diego state win on friday and us not take care of our business and and what we feel from losing this game won't come it won't even come close to what we feel uh, for letting that one slip if, if truly the opportunity presents itself. So control what you can control and get to number nine, which I don't know. You guys know how many teams in the country get a chance to win nine games in a year, especially after coming off a one-in-five season. So, yeah, yeah we just need to, we need to rally and, and pick ourselves up and, and move forward. So you talk about that recruiting and how you've identified specific needs to get your team to the level that you want it to be. And how do you handle that? 
because you have these specific needs that you identified, but suppose somebody who isn't part of that particular need and won't necessarily solve the problem, but is a good player and is interested, how do you balance that? Yeah, it's always a challenge. I mean, you got to look at numbers, and you don't ever want to pass on a, a player that you feel like is going to really add value to your roster. But we cannot get outside the framework of, of, you know, we have an idea what this league looks like now. I didn't have a clue coming into it. It's way bigger, way more powerful uh, on a weekly basis than I anticipated. Uh, you know, it's not as spread out in space as what I've come from uh, in the Sun Belt. And so we've got to, we've got to start building our, our roster to fit that. And it, it may not have to be a down-to-down basis, but at least – the ability to match personnel groupings to play in those environments. And right now we're quicker and faster than we are powerful. Uh, So off season nutrition and recruiting are the only ways to affect that. So there's going to be some really tough decisions as we get closer and closer to signing day, as we get closer and closer to potential transfers or late signees with some of the waivers that are involved with the NCAA we're going to have some tough decisions to make. Do we take this guy because of what he brings to the table in terms of size and power, or do we take this guy because he clearly could help our, our uh, roster in some way, whether it be explosive play or, or speed or dynamic nature, and, and you do run out of scholarships and spots at some point, and, and that's where it becomes really, really difficult down the stretch. So your path to the conference championship game is you beat New Mexico, take care of business, and meanwhile San Diego State beats Boise State, and then the Air Force game doesn't really matter because you've got the head-to-head tiebreaker over Air Force. So you've played Boise. You have not played San Diego. Can you handicap that game for us a little bit? You know, I would say at San Diego State, with, with them having to win to get in, I mean, it's, it's going to be a battle. I, I, I feel like what I've seen on film, it's super even. And uh, it, it's going to come down like all of them do. Big key mistake. Uh, uh, it looks as if San Diego State has as good a defense as anybody in, in the country, and definitely in the league. And um, and then they are they are able to run the ball uh, really really well. And, and so I think it's two very evenly matched football teams. It looks like Boise's playing their best ball late. I know they dropped some games early, but the last few weeks they've played lights out. So. I would say that's a pick them, and, and maybe the home team gets the nod in, in that particular situation. I'm wondering when you meet with the team, one of your one of your angles of your, of your conversation or your talk with them could be, hey, listen, you know, if we were back in August and somebody said to us, we got a chance to be 9-3 and three and a chance to win the division on the last week of the season, we would all take it. So basically, you know, learn from Saturday, but it doesn't really matter now. And we're in a great position. Is that an angle? Yeah, I mean, it just gets you to come do the meeting. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're pretty good at this stuff. That's really what it is. I mean, yeah, and you guys, I don't know if y'all, t- I mean, nobody picked us to win board five games nope. this year. Nope. And so we, uh, we've exceeded expectations of everybody's but our own. Our, we, we knew this was a game we could win. We didn't play well. But if we carry it with us this week, we don't. It will absolutely affect our ability to do what we're supposed to do this week. We can win nine. We still have the ability to win ten, and who knows, maybe even eleven. And what this group has done is unbelievable. It, it, if we didn't win another game, they've already done a phenomenal job of moving us in the direction we need to go. But we're not done yet. So I'm going to do everything I can to rally them and point their eyes forward and make them grateful and 
for what they've done and, and, and thankful for what we have the opportunity to do. Uh, and, and hopefully, as I said, this group is mature enough. I, I think we got some great leaders in the, in the room. Obviously, that's why we've played the way we've played. Some great leadership on the field. And a bunch of those guys have already been through my office this morning and, and yesterday. I believe they'll be bought in. I believe they'll move forward. And I truly believe we'll go find a way to win number nine, although it may be way tougher than anybody wants it to be because of the nature of just how good they are defensively, schematically, and what they're going to do offensively is going to be a pain with the triple option. So we're going to have to go earn it. And uh, that's going to be the focus all week. Rocky's been on our show many times. He was one of our favorites. He's just so blunt and to the point. We loved having him on. And then he went to San Diego State, and I grew up down there going to their games, so I was happy with how much he won when he was at San Diego State. So we get where you're going with that. Hey, before we let you go, we, we touched on one thing this morning, and I know we're going to end up talking about it going forward. It's a bigger picture, but you're kind of in the middle of it in your profession, so I'm curious what you think. Coaches are getting fired earlier in the calendars. Nobody's waiting for, well, not nobody, but many teams are not waiting for Black Monday and the end of the regular season. And we're in double digits of coaches who've been let go. Three of the jobs have already been filled. Is this being sped up because of the money at stake? Is this being sped up because they move signing date up? Is it something else from your perspective? What do you think? I think early signing day is the biggest factor. I really believe that um, it has sped things up because everybody feels like if, if we if we wait until you know till the last game's over with, we're, gonna, we're basically going to be completely out of the first signing day, and uh, and, and you know we're going to be set back another year. And, and there's some truth to that. I mean, I, I just feel like, and I think I learned this probably by doing it wrong. I think I don't think you're going to win a championship in the first signing day, but I think you can lose championships in the first signing day by by rushing and panicking. And I think to some degree that that now that signing day is in December and 99% of the guys are going to sign in and the transfer portal is going to open up and dudes are going to be flying all over the place, it just appears as if if guys already made up their mind, they just are not willing to, to let a coach finish or keep evaluating to see if it's the right move. They just immediately start – the dominoes start falling. It's, it's, you, it's not going to change. And you've mentioned several have already placed coaches and they're already on those – I mean, Joey McGuire's coaching at Texas Tech, and they're going to play Baylor here, uh, I think, here this next weekend. And I, I don't know if anybody's ever seen that before. A guy move from one place to the other and then have a turnaround and going to coach back against them during the same season. That's just the nature of what we're up against, and it's not likely to go backwards. Coach, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Good luck against New Mexico. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Blake Anderson, Utah State football coach, joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When we come back, your feedback. We'll get you up to speed on everything you missed in this show next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Purchase a Ford Fan Zone all-you-need ticket to an upcoming jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream, starting as low as $30 per ticket. Visit utahjazz.com or call 325-2999 to buy your Ford Fan Zone all-you-can-eat tickets now. Just logged on to Twitter to get your feedback from the show and saw a hilarious uh, stat slash take here, <laughs> especially when you consider what they must be implying. Elias Sports Bureau has a subdivision, Elias Game Plan. I guess they track a lot of uh, gambling stuff. Tom Brady 
has failed to cover any of his last nine regular season games that started at 7 p.m. Eastern or later. As he gets older, he's too tired to win late. Unless well, he, he talks about going to bed at 8.30, 9 o'clock to so maintain this regimen. So he's just not up for these night games? Unless it's the playoffs and there's adrenaline. <laughs> that seems a crazy stat. But of all the trends they track, there you go. It's the Giants and the Bucks tonight for Monday Night Football, something to channel surf to when you're watching the Jazz and the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. True. Check them both out. Probably won't be locked down on a Giants football game, but it's Brady, so it's definitely worth checking in. Question of the day on uh, Twitter, Ute fans, who do you want to play in the Pac-12 championship game in Las Vegas? we got almost 900 votes, and the leader with 36.5% of the votes... It doesn't matter. Oregon's getting 25%, Oregon State 23 and Washington State 15.5. That's a dumb question. The question needs to be, who do you want to play in the Rose Bowl? That's a question for another day. Maybe for tomorrow. That's the question. Who do you want to play? Ohio State? Michigan? Michigan State? I'd probably we're say both, Michigan. Yeah, we're both expecting I'm Ohio for State's going to bang for your buck. Ohio State's going to beat Michigan. They're going to win the Big Ten title game. They're going to go so to the Ohio playoffs. So they'll be realistic. off, right? And so, if Michigan plays Ohio State a little better than Michigan State did, which is to say, is reasonably competitive at all, since Michigan State gave up seven straight touchdowns on seven possessions and trailed forty nine nothing at halftime. Right. I expect they'll pick Michigan. Michigan now, oh, if yeah, Michigan yeah, yeah, gets yeah, yeah. blown out too, Michigan State's got the argument: Hey, we beat them head to head. True. But I would go with Michigan. It's a higher profile program. So I want as much attention as I possibly can get. Kyle Winningham, once upon a time, brought up the fact that you'd have a three-game win streak over Michigan. That's irrelevant. But I want as much attention. I want the country focused on the Rose Bowl to, to get the biggest bang for my buck. Jim Harbaugh. Personalities matter. For sure, yeah. And as an NFL guy... He brings a lot of cachet to the deal. And it would be sort of symbolic because the Sun Devils in their only Rose Bowl win beat Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> so it ties the... Not as it, a coach. It ties the Patrick... As the player. As the player, right. It ties the Patrick Kinahan story together. Yeah. Yeah. I was there. I anticipated being there again. And so, yeah, I want, I want Harbaugh. I, I, there's no way they can't play him closer. They're not going to be down 49 nothing at half. <laughs> <laughs> that was spectacular. Yeah. I was ready to leave that game very early on. It was really clear how that was going to go, but I got to admit I stuck around for a couple more possessions. I thought, all right, I'm convinced Ohio State is literally going to score on every single possession. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's incredible. It was just, hey, what a beatdown. It's as bad as it gets. 49 nothing at halftime. Yeah. I mean, how do you get more than seven possessions and a half? You score every time you have the ball. They might have had a one-play kneel down at the half. I can't remember, but you get the point. Uh, cool. We got comments on the poll. Justin says, uh, you fans, who do you want to play in the Pac-12 championship game in Las Vegas? BYU, the only undefeated team in the Pac-12 this year. Not getting that. No. Uh, Thankful Tyson says, I've looked at the photo. Looks like a heart to me. How about the fact it was a 78-yard punt return, meaning he caught it on the 22? Exclamation mark, question mark, exclamation mark. That's not my thing, but if you want to run with it, yeah, go ahead. 
Roger says that was definitely a heart. Okay. And Mama Hawes says I'm cons- constantly amazed that the first that the first 43 year old Covey can continue to play at the level he does. I think they're going to honor him this Saturday because he's already spoken and said that he's not interested in coming back, which would be an eighth year in the program minus the two years he was serving the mission. Uh, so he's unless he's changed his mind, he's made that decision. So go ahead and and get honored, uh, particularly if you go to the Rose Bowl. What a way to go out. Win or lose. Yeah, right. You're Pasadena. Yeah. Well, he said he wants to take his uh, shot at the NFL and see if he can catch on as a punt return guy in the uh, in the NFL. There have been a lot of small, elusive punt return guys. Reno Maya would be the local example, but there's a little more. thicker in the body yeah. uh, than uh, Britton is. Uh, he might, I don't know, man. It's hard to say he's quicker than Reno. Reno's feet were just amazing. But they're both very quick. Yeah. Able to cut, explode, make guys miss in the open field when they're coming at you at top speed. You know, I'm my best high school player I ever saw play. And I and I lived in California where they sent dozens of guys to the pros. U-State Iceman says, uh, you fans, who do you want to play in the Pac-12 title game? He says, BYU or Utah State. <laughs> Everybody's over the Pac-12s. Over it. One in-state games. I couldn't care less who they play. There's a storyline in every which way. It's so it doesn't Oregon's matter to the me. rematch. Oregon State's revenge and Washington State is yeah they played, but these two teams will both be very different in Las Vegas than they were that day in Salt Lake. Washington State will have their starting quarterback back presumably. They lost their star running back in the middle of the game. The Utes are a completely different team. They had fumbleitis big time. David Thomas is a different player. The O line and D line are playing at a higher level, and a quarterback's. The same, but he's got a lot more experience. I think Oregon gives you the biggest bang for the buck in the way that Michigan does. Yes. So I think from the Pac-12 perspective, I prefer Oregon. You're going brand names. Plus, it would be way cool to just punk Oregon twice. (laughs) You thought that was a fluke? Thank you, sir. May I have another? Yeah. It's sort of a ho-hummer, even though they lost to Oregon State, if you should play Oregon State and Washington State. Oh, yeah. Whereas Washington Oregon State has sizzle. Washington State with an interim coach and a seven and five record. Could there be less sizzle? I mean, yeah, congrats. It's, it's like you're not even going to get all that much credit if you. No, you're that. not. I mean, congrats to those players for pulling through a difficult season that they didn't have any say over. But you know the there's no sizzle. Are going to be yeah, tearing their hair out. There's no sizzle at seven and five. Yeah, I'd much so from that perspective. I would rather see Oregon come in there uh, so you have uh, what uh, they actually have a better record than you overall. Oregon would be 10 and 2 and the Utes would be 8 and 4 or 9 and 3. They better be 9 and 3. Oh, they're going to be 9 <laughs> and 9 three. 3. Yeah. So yes, Oregon would still come in with the better record and presumably higher ranked. Well, they still have the best win. They beat Ohio State and that yeah. win's looking better and better. Yeah. That Ohio State just keeps Utah beating people. Oregon is not as impressive at home as Oregon going, going to, Columbus. to Columbus. Yeah, I don't know how they did it, but for them, they did it. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're all done. Jake and Ben are coming up next right here on The Zone Sports Network.